Some movies make you feel good Some movies make you sick But the best movies come in threes Baby, let's take a trip tick Hello. We're going south of the border this Cinco de Mayo. Yes, a happy Cinco de Mayo to everybody who's listening to this episode. It's not Cinco de Mayo, de Mayo right now, but you know, it will be when this episode comes out. Exactly. We've given you guys a little treat. We wanted to do two episodes this May uh, so that we well, could... Well, well, no. Originally, we were only going to do just the one episode this month, which will be coming out next week after you hear this one. However... You know, we realized out of necessity we needed a, another episode between apes and our next episode just to make the next one just that little bit more special. And so when we were trying to think of ideas, you know, I looked at the calendar and I noticed, I'm like, holy shit, Cinco de Mayo's coming up before, literally the week before our Big May episode. So what better time than now to revisit a trilogy very near and dear to all of us from our formative years of getting into filmmaking and i threw the idea hey guys what about robert rodriguez's mariachi trilogy for cinco de mayo now this is a very interesting trilogy you guys oh yeah i would absolutely agree it's uh i haven't watched this trilogy since like the very first time that i saw it back when uh, when i watched it with my dad who you know he he himself was an aspiring filmmaker no and that's how i got I mean, I always loved Robert Rodriguez. I watched Spy Kids. Uh, of course, Grindhouse was a very big film for all of us. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I could talk for so long of all the ways that movie influenced me, but I'll, I'll stick to just Grindhouse was my introduction to both uh, Tarantino and Rodriguez, which, of course, then served as my gateway to independent cinema, and it also served as the gateway to uh, exploitation horror, which has had a most profound impact on me as a person and filmmaker all these years later. Really? Grindhouse was both your introduction into Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino? Well, no. Kreider mentioned last week when we were watching these movies that he had seen... uh, I think you said you saw El Mariachi already, or... Yeah, before Planet Terror. Yeah. Same. And you had already seen some Tarantino before, right? I'd seen Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But uh, my first theatrical Tarantino movie was Death Proof. Yeah. Nice. Same. Yeah, okay. Which is, uh, and I've seen... Uh, I never missed one since. And, um, yeah, I became a filmmaker because of Kevin Smith's Clerks, where I watched that in seventh grade, and I was like, well, that's a film. I could make a film too, and then it, now, yeah. the, now the definition of film. Now that we're past mumblecore, <laughs> the, the definition of film has really been redefined. Where uh, that's more television, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say so. I'd say uh, that kind of thing is a little, it's getting more televisiony with uh, filmmakers now. Yeah, like if you wanted to make like a really slow character piece, it's mostly you know going to be television. But Kevin Smith talked about how one of the inspirations was El Mariachi, so I watched that and I read the book uh, Rebel Without a Crew. And it uh, ruined your life forever. <laughs> no, and that's that's a big problem is because I learned filmmaking from Tarantino, Kevin Smith, and Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> not, the holy trinity. Yeah, not bad filmmakers. And Richard Kelly, which is fucking another thing. We'll what about uh, Linklater? Linklater, yeah. Yeah, so I learned... No, Linklater's great, though. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, uh, I'm Linklater, just saying... Linklater's actually better than I realized over time. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> even though Slacker is 
a minimalist character piece. It's maximalist in its scope. That's very true. A lot of char- a lot of characters going on in that movie. And Linklater, uh, there's something special about him. Obviously, we can get into that. But he's made the best Philip K. Dick adaptation of all time. So absolutely. Or really? One of them. Oh, Scanner Darkly. Yeah. Oh wow. You mm-hmm. like that better than Blade Runner? I mean, I love Blade Runner, but it's not the book. No, I mean, you know, artistically, Blade Runner is fantastic and you know, cutting edge. But as far as actually adapting the tone and world of a philip k dick you're supposed to be drugged out and paranoid about your reality at all times and a scanner darkly is what picked up that philip k dick flavor. <laughs> all righty then but we're getting way off track so oh we got a cat fight going on <laughs> cat fight oh you can hear it yeah you can hear it i think it adds production value we watched the mariachi trilogy these movies are fun I yeah they, they get crazy over time you know as as uh robert rodriguez gets more and more money yeah so the first one el mariachi is financed for seven grand shot on 16 millimeter he paid for it by selling his body to medical science <laughs> yeah which is where he met the guy that plays our main villain in, moco uh in the movie yeah moco <laughs> and it's the story behind the film is almost more interesting than the film, and you could make a really good TV show about this fucking kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, just... imagine, imagine how awesome it would be if, like, you guys remember the Rudy Ray Moore biopic that Eddie Murphy starred in for no, Netflix? That's exactly. And they've got a movie coming out about the making of, uh, a TV show coming out about the making of The Godfather, but, like... Oh, man, we totally uh, need... We totally the Rudy need Ray a... Moore, though, I love, though, because I love seeing an independent film being made. To me, to me that is just El Mariachi in the 70s. It's like Rudy Ray Moore using whatever the fuck he can get his hands on to just scrape together this film that is now like legendary and i i bring this up because i just recently got uh vinegar syndrome's rudy ray moore box set that has all four dolomite movies in it and oh, i went wow. back you know it had are you, been are you doling them out over time yeah you you dole might yeah <laughs> but no it, it had been a while since the last time i actually watched the original dolomite dolomite and- is amazing it's a piece of shit movie but it is awesome look there's never been a good movie and there never will be but (laughs) (laughs) dolomite is amazing yeah we'll get into and uh and there's got to be a dolomite trilogy that we could work it out right there's four four dolomites so yeah what what are the three best ones i'll 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 figure i'll watch them all and figure it out but no but what i'm getting at though is you know i finally sat through it all because you know I, I mostly just throw these movies on when i get home from work and i end up falling asleep during them always because i overwork myself oh that but, happened uh, to me when i first watched dolomite <laughs> but uh no i finally got through the whole thing though uh a few days ago and um you know this is after we've already watched el mariachi and it's like thinking back to dolomite is my name from netflix with eddie murphy as rudy ray moore which that man deserved more award attention for that performance i really enjoyed that movie but uh i see so many parallels between the first dolomite and el mariachi at least in terms of just the production value and the making of the movie Mm -hmm. and that there is there's a lot of love behind it absolutely they are all labors of passion and love no and i dolomite goes for more than el mariachi does el mariachi kind of keeps to its own scale yeah it has... dolomite swings for the fences but then uh so after we go through el mariachi then we go to desperado which oh is my like god essentially uh one evil of, dead 2 one of the greatest <laughs> action much... movies ever no and it's it's like so it's so 90s you know it's yes. right in this period where like where 
just doing like really gunned up dudes guys walking into bars shoot out you know like to me this is this is truly the mexican equivalent of the john woo style of action film no yeah and everyone like you don't like they were calling it the mexican pulp fiction which is it's so oh no it's not no no but no it is the mexican john woo you know you mentioned you mentioned this is it's it's very 90s in that like you know we got this culture of like just totally roided out action stars just like blowing up everything and shooting the shit out of everything and stuff and it's like while we definitely have a lot of blowing up and shooting going on in this one i don't really equate desperado more to that to me when i think of that style of action i'm thinking more schwarzenegger and stallone and van damme <laughs> that, and so that's why i bring up john woo because i see way more hard-boiled in the killer oh, yeah. in desperado than i do commando or rambo or anything like that just because you know Chow Yun Fat's a fucking badass, but you would never think so just seeing him on the street. But that dude will fucking annihilate a whole room of people with endless ammunition the very same way you would never assume Antonio Banderas has those two fucking pistols up his sleeves. <laughs> like, no, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, much like the parallel that I just now realize is like uh, Desperado opens, you know, it's got that really sexy great it's, opening the, but it's got the musical sequence you know which really establishes Antonio oh. Banderas where he hits the guy with the guitar yeah, yeah with, the, with the opening titles yeah. wait does he hit him with his guitar or does he kick yeah. him he no he hits, hits him with the, him with the, head, the headstock yeah oh okay that sounds like a bad thing for your guitar it is yeah, yeah, it's okay <laughs> but um <laughs> Hard Boiled has the amazing opening where Tequila is his name yeah, yeah Inspector Tequila and he's in the jazz bar he, oh, yeah he shakes up his drink and slams then he it on the bar slams on the bar and does a fucking saxophone solo for Fuck no yeah. reason after taking, after taking a drag from his cigarette <laughs> this honestly this trilogy more than anything with Briggs talking about John Woo is like man kind of psyched to dive into some John Woo you guys yeah. which I, I already I already pitched him an episode that they really liked so we might try to make it happen later on probably later this year or sometime next year maybe but we will absolutely cover some John Woo on this because I, I went back not too long ago and revisited both Hard Boiled and The Killer and god damn it those are fucking ridiculous movies like through and through some of the best action ever which just makes the fact that Mission Impossible 2 sucks as much as it does a conundrum. Because well, <laughs> John Woo also has meditative moments, you know, like the guy with all the paper swans representing every person that he killed. Yeah. Oh, man, I need to see more John Woo. I haven't actually seen... I've only seen maybe, like, I mean, Face Off. What about that's a, that's Hard Target? No, uh, not Target. target. Um, oh, Hard Target is... Um, the most dangerous game remake with John Claude Van Damme in the city. He, he did Interesting. that. That's his first American movie. Oh wow! I didn't know about that. I've, I've heard of Hard Target before, but I didn't know that was John Woo. Oh yeah. And then of course you know there's the obviously what I just mentioned the classics Hard Boiled and The Killer. Like you cannot go wrong with those. Like especially like Hard Boiled the Tea House shootout. Like I see Desperado the fucking bar shootout all over this fucking thing. No, mm-hmm. and like you know. Antonio Banderas kind of compared these movies to like uh, albums, mm-hmm. you know. No, yeah. Where they're like each scene is almost like a song. I can you know see what that. I mean? And um, it plays better and more like Desperado or Once Upon a Time in Mexico, where like, especially about Once Upon a Time in Mexico, each scene just feels like a separate scene. <laughs> like we're just, we're just oh yeah, you're just then, in a new a new place now. So now, and you see both the evolution and. Uh, like de-evolution of Rob Rodriguez over these movies. Yeah. Which brings us into Once Upon a Time in Mexico, exactly, which is his attempt to do good, the bad, the ugly 
but like crazier, I guess. Yeah, he wants is, to. Is it post Kill Bill? Um, Ooh, that's a good question, actually. No, I think Kill Bill came out this volume one at least came out this two thousand three, right? Oh, I don't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kill Bill Volume 1 came out the same year that Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah, because Volume 2 came out in 2004. So, yeah, they're the same year. Uh, Kill Bill came out in uh, 2003. Yeah, so they're the same year, I think. And, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, 2003 as well. Yeah, so. So, huh. let's, uh, what's Rodriguez's filmography up to that point? Um, he obviously Desperado and El Mariachi. He did The Faculty, Faculty which is one of the amazing. Um, I think he did one Spy Kids yeah, I think film. The, the first Spy Kids was okay, out yeah, by the now. The first Spy Kids was out by now, yeah. Um, that might be it, though. Oh, from Dust Till Dawn. Of course. Yeah, uh, yes. I, I haven't seen Dust Till Dawn. Oh, my oh. God. Very that... rubbery vampires. <laughs> Man, that first movie is so awesome. Please don't ever expect us to do an episode on From Dust Till Dawn, though, because the part two and three are fucking suck so oh bad. What do you mean they have the guy from Terminator 2? Guys, it sucks so bad. Really quick, Spy Kids 3 came out in 2003. He oh completed God. the Spy Kids trilogy... In between Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Jesus. Wow. He completed the Spy Kids trilogy before that. Don't uh, hold your breath for that one either. <laughs> <laughs> We've threatened. I mean, honestly, it's not that bad. Uh, it gets pretty bad around the third one. The third one's tolerable, though. At least we got Eric Estrada. No, we don't. <laughs> who's, the, who's, the, who's the grandpa in Spy Kids 3D? Oh, oh no. Um, I didn't see that. It's a Lorenzo Lamas. Khan? Yeah, no, I know who yeah, you're talking about. It's not Lorenzo Lamas, no, it's, though. Uh, um, uh, Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban. Sorry, Ricardo. I know you're listening. My, my in grandma, heaven. My or grandma hell, really wherever liked you went. It could oh. be in hell. He was a piece of shit. No. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go into a whole sweet thing about how my grandpa really liked Ricardo Montalban. But, you know, no, never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. No, go. In, in, in told us. We can talk about his pros and his cons. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, so so this trilogy, as we'll go into more detail with this episode, gets really, really Off you know, the rails. understandable and like you know, uh, kind of you know, scrappy all the way to bloated and confusing. Well, yeah, but even the, even even once he gets to Once Upon a Time in Mexico and he has a thirty million dollar budget. It still feels like he's working beyond his means. Yeah. You know? It still feels like, at heart, it feels it's a like low-budget movie. Yeah, it still feels like he's needlessly cutting corners when he shouldn't. It's kind of like, you know, it's just it's just another example of what happens when you give too much money to too much crazy. Yeah. Also, just like, the whole setup about the guitar case is like, really flimsy. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, such a cool concept, you know. The, it's not the, though, mar the like, mariachi that goes around with a guitar case full of guns. Like, they're just full of heavy metal, just you clunking sound, around. You hear the bullets and stuff like clanking around. Well, let's. You want to dive into the greater detail of that? Yeah. All right. Well, this, my friends, is the El Mariachi trilogy. See. Ah. El Mariachi. A desperate, down-on-his-talent guitarist gets mixed up in the criminal underworld over a case of mistaken guitar identity. Now the innocent artist must clear his name by killing everyone and anyone that fucking crosses him. Because the police sure as hell aren't going to help. He doesn't have the money. 
Taking refuge in the producer's house, dressed as a bar in close-up, he falls in acquaintance with the bartender, who becomes an unfortunate victim in this horrible mix-up. In the end, our protagonist wins the fight, riding off into the sunset with a stolen motorcycle, stoner dog, and his new robot hand. <laughs> it's a pretty robot-looking hand. I mean, I know it's... <laughs> No, yeah, it's just tinfoil and stuff, but, like, I told you they had to film it in fast motion because they were running out of light. So yeah. So it just looks like... <laughs> it's like, it's three fingers. Yeah, it's three fingers, and, like, it just becomes a stigmata scar by the next one. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty impressive, because if you look close up, it, like, blows into a big, violent chunk. Yeah, he, like, blows that hand into pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's, um... See, so yeah, this movie was made very cheaply. On the streets of Mexico. Which is impressive in its own way. The fact that he was able to just get away with, like, shooting, like, fucking dude walking down the street with a gun well, out like, in and the there open. Are, there are police in the movie in the opening scene. Yeah. There's one police person. No, there's two of them. Yeah. yeah. There's two? Yeah, yeah one shows up. And, and then there's, like, an old lady. Yeah. I think the lady's the one that shows up, I think. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so all the real guns in this movie were provided by the police department. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you've got the money, the police will help in Mexico. I mean, it wasn't even for money, but, like, I and guess when he this says, is the and when he says, that... when he says the police will help, they will help with anything. Anything. Don't ask questions, though. Yeah. I, I believe in the book, like, a drunk guy was, like, fucking with them while they were shooting, and the cops, like, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I wish we could have filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's good production value right there. It uh, is, all, but... I, all I think about in instances like that is you remember the fucking filmmaker kid in Super 8 when like the train is coming by and yep. he's like, it's production value! Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, It's like yeah. you see the cops just mercilessly beating a wino in the streets. Like, oh, I want to film, but it's production value. Yeah. <laughs> the best part of Super 8 is when they're filming in front of the military guys. Yeah. And they got the kid dressed up as like a small military dude. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know. The best part of Super 8 is at the end when you see the Super 8 film. Yeah. And the kid introduces it with the pipe. It's like I hope you enjoy. It. <laughs> well, you know, I think I feel like I, I like to think I like to think that that's how Robert Rodriguez introduced El Mariachi at its first screening. <laughs> well, I don't think he had a pipe, but he definitely had a cigar. No, he couldn't afford a pipe. Yeah, so he had a cigar. That's far more. Uh... I mean, I feel like he must have been smoking weed behind the. He's he's too kid friendly to like talk about it. But I feel like they're smoking weed while they do this. Like, dude, you know, like it would be cool. It's like, what if you had a guitar case, but it's not a guitar in there. It's full of guns. (laughs) Which has been done before. Yeah. And I think even a good example... Well, Maniac carries a violin case. Yeah, with the shotgun and the... uh, And the knives and everything. The bayonet, yeah. Holy shit. Pretty fucking dope. And Maniac, another movie, just filmed in the streets with no permission. (laughs) Oh, one of the best (laughs) guerrilla filmmaking instances ever. So, yeah, and it's uh, the lead is played by Carlos Gallardo, who is his friend, and it's like... It is that interesting thing, like it's almost Rudy Ray Moore level, where it's like, yeah, he's our badass. You know? yeah. it's like just this <laughs> very unassuming. Uh-huh. I know he's very low key, very string bean. He's I guess a, that's part of the character. Yeah, curly hair, you know, very short curly hair to make him look a little more comical and nerdy. He looks almost like a Mexican Gutenberg. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Gutenbergo. 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 There we go. El Gutenberg. The, the non-union Mexican equivalent to Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, you're right. Mine was more Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Godfather. <laughs> That'd be Gumberto. Gumberto. Steve Gumberto. 
But, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I don't speak Spanish, but uh, the acting in this movie is pretty good. Your name is a lie, then? Uh, Torres. All right, fine. Look, look, my last name is Torres. I am Hispanic, so don't worry, guys. I can tell you if, uh, you know, their Spanish is good or not, even though I just lied. The best actor in this movie, <laughs> the best actor in this movie does not speak Spanish at all. The villain Moco, yeah, he oh, learned really? all of his lines phonetically, and he is so good, man. Yeah, he's just like you out there with that guitarist's hands all over you. And it's like they film him in slow motion at one point while he's like spitting. You know, yeah, that guy reminds us of a couple actors we've worked with in our. And they joke, ab- they joke about that in the um, the book where it's like he looks kind of like Christopher Walken, kind of like James Spader. You know, <laughs> he does look very James Spader. God, imagine imagine a universe in which they got Christopher Walken to play <laughs> the villain in one of these movies. Well, the whole thing started because like he just wanted to make it direct to video for the Spanish home video market. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So. But their whole thing was like you need like a soap opera star. So like the girl role was supposed to be, and it kind of goes back to it's like we do we do okay now we like reach out and win a network and we pay people so it's not that hard to get an actress. But it used to just be like, who do we know? Who yeah. do we know that's like a girl? Yeah, because you need because oftentimes when you're making like stupid guy movies, you need a girl. It's yeah. like the uh, the trophy slash damsel in distress slash the token girl character slash you know you need to put her in a fridge you know when to give you to give your character more motivation when you're making an independent film you need at least one girl and you need at least one guy with a clean shaven face uh, I thought you were gonna quote Jean Luc Godard oh what's what? the quote uh, all you need to make a movie is a girl and a gun oh yeah, well that's a classic but I was also gonna say you know like how you know a lot of uh, independent film is kind of made with a lot of either like fat guys or guys with beards that cover their fat. No, and like, <laughs> thank God IPA Rodriguez. Enthusiast looking people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fortunately, Rodriguez was filming, so he didn't cast himself as the mariachi. Although looking at him, it's like he could have pulled it off. He yeah, pull it. he's very lanky. Like, he's got a badass look to him. Mm-hmm. Especially for the cover of his uh, Rebel Without a Crew book. No, there's some pictures of him behind the scenes where. I really just feel his spirit, you know. He's got I, like I just... love behind the scenes mm-hmm. pictures of Rodriguez working. You know, like Robert Rodriguez, you know, while I, I never read Rebel Without a Crew, but I knew the story though. I knew the story that, is like legendary. Uh-huh. Yeah. I knew that he filmed it all himself. I knew that he filmed all of his movies himself. And so, you know, like he actually Guillermo Navarro, who's an amazing DP, does Desperado. Yeah. But I think that's mm-hmm. one of the last times he works one of the only times he works with a separate DP. And it's like, you know, like I go back yeah. and I like look at all of his movies, which had such a huge influence on me, not in a rebel without a crew way, but just like, you know, the movies themselves. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's really what pushed me more than anything to want to, you know, DP a lot of my own films. Oh, yeah. And, you still do. Yeah, and I still do all these years later. You know, that was the biggest uh, driving force for me was Rodriguez and seeing how he did it, seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff of him wor- still working with the actors but doing it from behind the camera rather than right up close, you know, like every other director. No, and it's practical in, like, a low-budget scenario where if you're filming you don't have to communicate anything. You can just be like, okay, and then he resets and like, okay, now go. There's Mm -hmm. something respectable about Rodriguez and his ability to want to take on every job possible. I think that's respectable as like an independent filmmaker, but as he gets on as a more like, as a bigger filmmaker with an actual studio, I feel like he really should have learned to divvy out those responsibilities. Yeah, it becomes almost like a... uh... The, uh, not not quite as bad as as Tommy Wiseau, but like yeah. in a way, like you know, it's like Tommy Wiseau. He has a, a supposedly has 
all this money at his disposal, does fucking everything himself, and is terrible at it all. At least Rodriguez, he has next to no money, does everything himself, is decent at it, and gets better as he goes along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone thinks that they're, uh, you know, they're uh, Orson Welles. No, and that's, <laughs> well, that's part of the problem is learning... Robert Rodriguez way was like he had some talent before he went into low budget filmmaking you know yeah so it's like you do have to learn the rules to break the rules mm-hmm. absolutely he had all these cool ideas about 10 minute film school but he also went to regular film school yeah which I kind of I wish we had watched the 10 minute film schools for these going into this episode we, we can rewatch them so they're 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 good they're on YouTube the 10 minute film schools and they're very helpful but like Certain things you gotta, I had to unlearn, and that's why I'm still such a bad filmmaker all these years later. <laughs> oh, come on. You're, you're a good filmmaker. We actually just did a film in Spanish, which is like, I don't speak Spanish. Why do we do that? Yeah. Even I don't speak Spanish, and I acted in it. Yeah. No. It's you a, acted it in your last name's Torres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least that way, like, nobody will question the credits. <laughs> it's like, at least it's an all Latin cast. Yay. All Latin. In quotes. <laughs> that one, that one guy must just be like like a few generations removed. <laughs> no, and so like, Sal Mariachi, he's a he's a guitarist who's just wandering into a random town mm-hmm. looking for work, looking for work, and you know, in the uh, town they give him a free coconut, yeah, because <laughs> they forgot to film him paying for it. So they're like, hey, free coconuts. I'm oh, beginning to like this town. Is that what? Is that why they were like free coconut? I thought. Yeah. I thought the I thought the the point of the film was like, like no, he just didn't pay for it. That's how it. That's how it looks. Almost. That's that's why they started hunting him down. Hey, I want my fucking coconut money, asshole. Well, you don't mess with the coconut mafia. What's funny about like these movies? Like Desperado has a really good drive as a revenge movie. Once Upon a Time in Mexico has a weird political plot, <laughs> but this one weird is, is literally an understatement. <laughs> this one literally is just a series of mistaken identity, like hijinks. Like it's yeah. almost um, Pink Panther esque. <laughs> no, like, Pink Panther esque, but I get a like a. Like a flavor of Guy Ritchie as well a as little, Edgar yeah. Wright. Well, that's pre-Guy Ritchie and Edgar Wright, though. No, it is pre-Guy Ritchie and Edgar Wright, so you can clearly see their inspirations with this movie. It is kind of a noir story, though, where you're just a mistaken identity will drive you, you know, will get your whole life fucked drive up. Drive you to violence. Yeah. Not just that, but also the quick cuts and the quick uses of us, like fast motion sometimes. Very fast yep. dialogue at times. Like, I love that one shot of the uh, innkeeper, like, and he's just like, as soon as the guy leaves, he's like, beep, 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 yeah, beep. He, <laughs> he calls the, uh, the he, he calls mafia the, boss. The cartel boss in yeah, fast motion. <laughs> yeah, so like. And I love too how he's talking shit to these dumbasses that are looking for the mariachi, too. He's like, hey, idiots, he's going that other way. <laughs> yeah, he'll hey, he'll you he- mate. Hey, you morons, you're at the wrong room. He's in room 10. <laughs> they both have the wrong image of him in their heads. No, and what's weird is, like, they have a whole thing where they meet the real mariachi, Carlos Gallardo, and he, like, he's running away from two guys, and they both shoot each other, which is a common thing in these movies is, like, got bad guys shooting each other. These bad guys are very incompetent. We've got, like, storm travel. All through this, all through this trilogy, we've got stormtrooper level shooting abilities going on i mean on. I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't diss the empire that bad stormtroopers can't aim for shit but they're they have i don't think any stormtroopers have shot themselves yet <laughs> no but you have the they, one yeah, you famous... don't see them shooting each other a lot because they, they can't the one, shoot anything you do have the one famous production still though of the one bumping his head on the door in the background though as they're <laughs> running <laughs> that's oh, a classic so great but uh 
What? Why is okay? So, why? Why are the bad guys fighting exactly? So this dude, um, Azul, yeah, is a mm-hmm. uh, he's Moko's old associate, and he's in jail, but he's got a desk in there. And I think it didn't, didn't the police Moko, are very uh, accommodating. It's Mo- like cool Mo- world. Moko set him up too, didn't he? Like no, no, he, he set himself up oh. like within jail, and he's like doing a pretty good job. No, no, I mean he's in jail because of Moko, isn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, you still owe me all this money, you know. And Moko's like, hey, I got some guys coming, and they like, it's three dudes in suits who are gonna kill everybody. But hey, he, his gang, the sleepy guys are actually his gang, so they shoot them from within the jail cells. He just gets out. The cellmate gang. Well, no, they kill, they kill one of them, yeah. and then they hurt, corral the others into uh, the jail cell. Like, and then they call him and are like, you can listen. Your they men have to, something to scream to yeah. you. <laughs> and That's he just probably, holds the phone up, and you just hear on Moko's and just... Bah, 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 bah. That's <laughs> got to be the darkest part of the movie is the beginning. Yeah. Oh, for I mean, sure. The movie sets a very somber tone before going into the more comical aspects but it still has these like very wide angle lens shots that like feel like very this is the dude who did spy kids this is the dude that did spy kids <laughs> and that's kind of his interesting mo is like half of him is part tarantino and half of him is very like kid-friendly spielbergian almost yeah that is fascinating how kid-friendly he can be sometimes because there's like not too much like there's blood in these in this movie but it's not too crazy gory yeah, you, you don't get that till the next one when he's like, the next shooting one is... the shit out of everyone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then even Once Upon a Time in Mexico deals with some pretty good fucking gnarly stuff. Yeah. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. So yeah, so Azul gets out and he, for no reason, carries around a guitar case full of guns. Yeah. He doesn't play guitar. He has no, he has no reason behind it. But so like... The El Mariachi goes into a bar, and he asks them for work. And wait, wait, like, did, did you say the El Mariachi? Well, I mean, there's no name for this guy. His name is L, essentially. So Mariachi <laughs> goes into a bar, and he's like, he drinks soda pop because apparently alcohol's bad for his voice. Yeah, he, he specifies he doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke because of his vocal cords. Which doesn't make any sense. I'm drinking right now, and my voice is fine. Oh, yeah, Sam got a bottle of tequila before we recorded this episode, so he's probably going to be just ruined by the end of this episode. I'm yeah, celebrating dude. Cinco de Mayo, uh, you know, in advance for everybody here. If I drink that, like a squib will explode my stomach. Just <laughs> and I don't drink, so yeah, well, Briggs is a straight edge. This is why I'm drinking for everybody. I'm gonna have a shot for each episode. For I've got each, each movie. I've, I've got a, a nice chocolate dinosaur egg next to me that Sam gave me. You're welcome. So I'm indulging in that instead. I've already eaten the dinosaur inside. I bit its head off first. Nice. That's good. At least he made it quick. Yeah. yeah. Painless. Exactly. Yeah, I, start, I always start from the feet. Unless it's like a chicken. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, dino, chickens evolved from dinosaurs. I mean, yeah. You think if a dinosaur lost its head, it could still walk around just fine? You know, the fact that Colin, Tra- <laughs> the fact that Colin Trevorrow hasn't answered that question is proof that this that franchise is doomed. Yeah. Hey, hey, we still got one more movie to go in, in June, so. That would be great if you decapitated more. Maybe they'll decapitate the Jokersaurus Rex, and then it'll be like, oh, no, now it's just running around. <laughs> just running around, causing chaos. And he just, like, picks up people and just shoves them down his throat hole. Yeah, just, drop, <laughs> just drops them in. And, and then, like, Bryce Dallas Howard's, like, holding on to the edge of the throat hole. He, he, he lives in an ecosystem. Oh, wait. No, she doesn't just hold on to the edge of the throat hole. She starts crawling toward the breathing hole. And, and it's she like, yeah, kills it's him it's by dilating. choking him. Man, yeah, we, she closes it. 
We we veered way off track from Mariachi. <laughs> I disagree. Anyway, so Bryce Dallas Howard. So Bryce Dallas Howard is carrying around a guitar full of weapons in this movie. Not even a case, just a guitar full of weapons. <laughs> no, it's regular. I mean, there's a whole. You hear, you hear him clunking around inside the wooden frame of the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that I wanted is like the Lady Mariachi. Yeah, we never quite got a Lady Mariachi. I mean, Ooh. we have Selma Hayek later on, but she doesn't really... She just uses yeah. Danny Trejo's throwing knives. Yeah, yeah. Like but again, exactly, but get into that later. We'll, but. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But. So yeah, so El Mariachi, um, if you read Rebel Without a Crew, there's supposed to be... So there's a big plot hole in this that I don't like, which is when the Mariachi, when they bring the Mariachi to the ranch, Mo- Moko's like, well, that's not him. Just get rid of him. <laughs> it's like, but he did kill a bunch of our guys. And you know that because you talk about it later. Yeah, he killed like, like five guys at that point, didn't it's he? It's like he's supposed to have a shootout where he escapes the ranch and blows up a truck. And they had it all set up. But the asshole who loaned Robert Rodriguez the camera was like, I need my camera back. Aww. Don't you hate it when crewmen so just the, do shit like that? So when people, and even the, literally the dude who was like loaned him the camera was watching it and was like, oh, dude, you just need one explosion. It's like, I would have done it if you hadn't let me use the camera asshole uh, this whole just... movie is held together by like you know chewing gum and paper clips yeah also there's that uh you know our main guy not our main guy not our main guy uh, the main like yeah we got some kind of screaming going on outside right now just, don't worry it's just someone probably being murdered but like that one guy who's like our, our main enforcer who's hunting down a soul mustache kinda, looks like John Ratzenberg. Oh, we had we had great fun watching this movie, making cheers and Pixar references every time this dude showed up on yeah, screen. Yeah. He's going ham on these people. <laughs> Mexican John Ratzenberg is my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just trying his best, and his boss just doesn't respect him at all. No, I know, but like of all the guys, he, like he, you just really buy him. He's <laughs> like a he's like a more humble version of the fucking punching bag right hand man in desperado <laughs> yeah memo <laughs> yeah memo <laughs> oh you know i wonder i'm just gonna make this connection for the pixar folks because he is in uh coco and he plays uh he's a skeleton Wait, the guy the guy that plays mustache is Sorry, in no, coco? john ratzenberg is in oh coco. john ratzenberg's in coco john ratzenberg's in coco is a fat guy with a mustache and hey, sunglasses I'm Mexican now. <laughs> but he's a skeleton so Does he I think, still talk with the Boston accent? No, he doesn't talk at all. He doesn't. He only. I don't think. I think he only has one line. He's like, "Thank you." Hola, guys. <laughs> is he dead? Yes, he's a he's a skeleton. Which, no, but what? is he dead in real life? No, what, John, John Ratzenberg. No, alive. he's fine. So why did they only give him one line? Oh, you know, you gotta have John Ratzenberg just thrown in there sometimes. John oh, okay. Ratzenberg is in every Pixar film. It's a good luck thing. It's a contractual thing at this point, I'd imagine. <laughs> There's a modern day Disney version where they have Alan Tudyk in every animated Pix- in every animated Disney film. He was the chicken in Moana. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he's uh, doing his best to John uh, Frank Welker impression of uh, doing animal voices. So yeah, so Alan Tudyk has a suit, has a guitar case full of guns. <laughs> as a chicken, which is pretty weird that they confuse a man with a chicken holding. I can understand the guitar case thing, but it, he's a chicken. That would a be giant great, like mistaken identity, but one of them's a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an Animaniacs episode. <laughs> it's like this obviously isn't him. He's a giant chicken. You, sh- you better tell me your name right now. Or there's gonna be trouble. Or I kill him. But uh, but chicken yeah, boo, so. what's the matter with you? Because you're not a man, you're a chicken boo. <laughs> yeah, so 
Carlos Gallardo, he's trying to get work, and after trying one bar, he's like, I guess no. Yeah, because the bartender's like, I've got a, my stupid nephew who can play the piano. <laughs> and it's just like yeah. a little key, Casio keyboard, like he's got Dollar General version. Which is also why I bring up Edgar Wright, because that has some very Edgar Wright-influenced editing and speeding going on in that scene. And just like the whole tone overall. Like, no, that stylistically, this is you can see where this influenced something like a Hot Fuzz or, um, of course... Um, World's End spaced. and Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to see the most crazy camera moves, it's spaced because Edgar Wright's filming on, like, early digital. So, like, he makes the camera move insane, like Sam Raimi, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez stuff. It's pretty great. That's, uh, honestly, if, if you really want pure distilled, Which, like, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg. You, yeah. know, going, you know, going back to, uh, you know, going back to filmmakers influencing each other, you know, I see a good amount of Sam Raimi in this movie as well. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's sure. Sam Raimi who is influencing all of them. Oh, yeah, big right? time. Sam like, Raimi is a big uh, independent filmmaker influence, I'm pretty sure. E- Evil Dead, to this day, is still one of my favorite movies just of all time in general, just because it is one of the most horrifying movies ever, and they made that for next to nothing, like, by themselves out in the woods. No, and that's, you know, when it comes to independent films, there's levels of imp- impressive <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And like something like El Mariachi is impressive. It's more impressive than Clerks, which is like essentially just one place. Yeah. (laughs) And like the single location thing, it's like you can make a movie at a single location, but it's very hard to do it in such a way where it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well have just done a stage play. Yeah, or like been a stand up comedian. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, uh, watching El Mariachi. Like, even back then and still now, when I first watched it as a kid, like, I can still, like, admire what Rodriguez was doing and also see what, you know, see our own struggle in making films still. No, and, like, you see the seams, which is still, it still makes it charming. Mm-hmm. I just, I would like to know what it would be like to watch this movie not knowing any of the story. <laughs> it's like, is it going to be any good? And it's like, probably not. And, you know, oh. in, in hindsight, you know, it, it honestly kind of isn't. <laughs> it's, it's certainly... It's short, which is good. It's definitely like it's it's short, but it's still a film. I would probably, if I'm ranking Rodriguez's films, it's nowhere near the top for me. No, of course oh, not. Oh, I don't know about that. I'd still put it pretty pretty high up. There. Maybe 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 like top ten for sure. But I'd, like, I might even put it in top five personally. I um, I do like when so after Mariachi leaves the bar, uh, Azul comes in. That guy's like, what is this? Mariachi day? <laughs> Don't work for you either. I like how we uh, we got a good rule of threes going on here. So, like, one thing uh, that they establish with Azul is that when he goes in to a bar or wherever, he asks for a beer. And they start uh, pouring it into a glass form. And he's like, hey, and a bottle, dumbass. And so, like, this is the first instance of that. And Which, then... they talk about how there's no clean glassware in Desperado. I wonder if that's just a paranoia thing of, like... No, your glassware is probably filthy. Just a, it's not a good place for germaphobes, essentially. <laughs> and yeah, another setup is the, uh, the bad guy's always lighting his matches off of mustaches stubble. Yeah, uh, from right under his cheek or his just chin, chin. Mm-hmm. strikes the match. And I like how you can even like kind of see the matchbook taped to his face a little bit at times. Yeah, it's a. It's very uh, abusive relationship, which yeah. is why, like, when Smoko gets shot, they're all just like, "Well, fuck him," he d- and then he lights the match off Moko's face. And it's the third time. That's the third, yeah. Rule of thirds. Rule of thirds. That's yeah. 
It's not a badly written movie. It's uh, it's, it's a competent it's movie. Yeah, he's got some nice sets from Friends that he's able to get to, like the 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 bartender's bar as well as her room. I guess you could say. Well, that's clearly it's clearly three locations because it has this old west saloon exterior. <laughs> then you go in and it's kind of a modern restaurant looking place. Well, look, and I'm... then she has like an apartment that's like completely like where's that in the old timey saloon facade? Well, look, I'm <laughs> the apartment's not for the saloon, okay? The, the apartment is just for her. And on top of that, you know, I mean, we've all, I mean, I feel like some of us have had uh, have had issues when it comes to remodeling their houses and their, uh, their places to live, right? Uh, you know, sometimes you just have a little bit of a style clash in between transitioning from what you want from what was there. I'm just saying, just, you know, sometimes you have a bit of a style clash when you're trying to fix things. All right, fair enough. So, yeah, so he meets, uh, does she have a name? Uh, Domino. Oh, yes, Domino. Oh, yeah, Domino. 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 So, yeah, Domino, there's he's no trying work. to get work at her bar as well, and he's like, oh, there's no work in this town. It's like, you've tried two places. You're fucking you, lazy millennial. You fucking might you might as well just give up. Goddamn millennial slash Gen X, Gen, Gen, Gen <laughs> Zer. That would be funnier is the Gen Z fucking El Mariachi. <laughs> That would be funny. If it was Gen Z Mariachi, he'd have a phone and he'd just be like, Hey guys, I'm on the road. You're going to go make it as a mariachi. And then like they use his TikTok videos to track him. Like, guys, guys, I'm hiding out in this bar with this cool chick, Domino. Say hi, Domino. What are you doing? It's like, okay, he's at the bar. Get over there fast. What are you watching? Uh, I mean, it's the guy that we're trying to track. He's on TikTok. He's still blogging. He's blogging about us. Ah, I just killed two dudes. <laughs> Let me see that. That would be funny as a found footage of Mariachi. Found footage of Mariachi. <laughs> it's all just security cams and cell phones. Or a GoPro on his guitar. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now Wait. that makes me want to die. <laughs> People do it. People have Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. But, uh. It's it's definitely a competent movie when it wants to be. Yeah, it's it's very low budget. No, and like, shows all over the place. I read the book and it's like you can literally assign each scene to like the difficulties that they were having on that day. Yeah, but he's got like some good moves that are still really valuable if you're a low budget filmmaker. It's I'd, like I'd say crane shot of, on a ladder, you know, or uh-huh. um, dolly shots of, in a wheelchair. One of the most impressive, the most impressive in the movie being the big action set piece when they're confronting him at the hotel. And he uh, uses the mace to zip line across the street and, and hit, hits the bus. Yes, yeah, exactly. Lands on top of the bus. It's crazy. No, that's, that's amazing. That's a great stunt. Yeah. That's like... We would get so sued if we tried to do that. Yeah. yeah. And Mexican government just, you know, let him do it because he had the money. Well, I mean, you know, also, who gives no, a shit? No, they were also just like, they were just, we don't give a shit. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it. so it's like, it's very competent and well-made when it wants to be and then suffers from its budget. And but it's spots. nice that you do see, when you watch a first feature, you're just looking for, are these seeds that will grow into what we love about the filmmaker later? And you definitely see that. There's like real oh, energy. I think what's missing is maybe like Antonio Banderas, man, you know? Like we need a fucking like a good lead. That's why, yeah, yeah. that's why, you know, so we, we discussed it earlier how, uh, I forget if we did it here in our intro or if we were just in, in private, but, you know, we equated... Uh, El Mariachi and Desperado to Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 in the way that, you know, Evil Dead is the super micro-budget, just fucking balls-to-the-wall, 
indie film, and then two comes in and does pretty much pseudo remakes it while still kind of adding its own flares yeah, and touches it a little here bit. and there yeah. with a with an actual studio low budget this time. And so, you know, that being the case, you know, we've got an, in Desperado Antonio Banderas picking up uh, the role of the mariachi. So I, I don't know how likely this would be considering how old Banderas is now. I would love to see Rodriguez come back to this and maybe do one more mariachi film with Banderas in the role. No, that would be fucking dope. Be why don't we do that? Old, do. old man mariachi. Yeah, yeah, not quite a Fury Road. Hey man, tree, more, of a, more of a Logan. Yeah, more of a Logan. Yeah, exactly. Something like that would be so, or like Unforgiven or any of these films of like older like outlaws. Western. Like, I want there to be a twist about his daughter and I wonder if they maybe didn't show the daughter dying as a way of like, you know, yeah, like hiding the, that. That's something I kind of want to discuss when we get there. We so could I'm, bring in who would be the daughter. Um, oh, Anna de Armas. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, let's always use Anna de Armas. I don't remember what we were talking about before with Anna de Armas, but she was going to be Connie in The Godfather, I think. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, you know, I was going <laughs> to say Selena Gomez. No. Nah. Okay. No, uh, she's she's too like nice. too young. Too young for the role. Too young, can't act. Oh, oh. I, I, I. It, you know the way harsh. You know, viewing, thinking of Selena Gomez in the role of Mariachi's potential grown-up daughter, I can't help but think of Jessica Alba in Machete. Great actress, performer in her, in her own right, but I can't picture you in this role oh, speaking a, the, these Rodriguez lines. You know, like, even though Jessica Alba exactly, but yeah. Jessica Alba is Spanish. Yeah, but even still, I can't picture Jessica Alba like she's about as Spanish as Sam is, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> Am I honestly, right? I, I, I think she's a great she's a great actress. She's not great in Machete just because she's wildly miscast. It's like when they tried to make Nancy all tough and badass in Sin City Two, and it just felt awkward. That was a really bad movie. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. Now that's the <laughs> that's the lowest that Rodriguez has ever sunk is that being is the kill for. That's really, that's one hundred percent. What's worse, Spy Kids four? I don't know. I never saw it. Yeah, it's I never saw. Awful. I never saw it either. And I totally put. I believe. See, here's the thing. Smell I vision. I here's still the thing. Think that I believe Dave the Kill Four is probably worse because they took a good, a good fucking. Graphic see, novel here's okay, it up. Good point. here's my, here's good my point. thing. Never mind. I, you know, I, I would go it. into Spy Kids four expecting it to be all different kinds of terrible. Sin City two was more disappointing than anything, which that to me is fucking so unforgivable. Worst Josh Brolin performance I've ever seen. You know what? Complete I, waste of Ava Green and Christopher Maloney. I did almost sleep through that movie. And we were in a theater too. So you know what? I'm going to concede. As bad as Spy Kids 4 is with its smell-o-vision, yeah, Dame to Kill 4 is pretty awful. Dame to Kill 4 didn't need smell-o-vision. It was just shit. <laughs> you can smell it. You can just smell the <laughs> shit in your mind. But no, yeah, going back to Mariachi, though, yeah, if, if they ever did another <laughs> one, uh, yeah, I could totally see Anna de Armas playing uh, what's, uh, Ma- Mariachi's daughter. <laughs> what's Rodriguez done recently outside of Battle Angel? Um, oh, he's doing, sure. he's doing fucking TV. He did a really good Mandalorian, and he's doing Boba Fett, right? He did yes. the first two Mandalorian episodes, which are pretty freaking good. The first two of this season, you mean? Yeah, first two of the season for Boba the Fett. The Timothy Oliphant episode. Yeah. Where they're yeah. fighting the fucking Rancor. That Free was time. dope. And uh, he also did the Boba Fett episode, which, of course, led to... He didn't, the do, the, he, he didn't do the Michael Bean episode? 
No, he didn't do the Michael Bean episode. Somebody else did that. Oh, that is a good one, though. He yeah. did the one episode with uh, for Mandalorian. He did the one episode with uh, these are all Timothy all the, Man- all the Mandalorians are directed by like real directors, though. It's yeah. really cool, man. And then the Book of Boba Fett, he did the first three episodes, apparently, actually. Nice. I still got to check it out. Has he got not... anything coming up? I watched movie? the first see, first episode. It's pretty good. Does he uh, have anything coming up movie-wise that he's working on, or at least says he's working on? Because I know he... Rodriguez, I, as much as I love Robert Rodriguez, he's frustrating also because he'll put out like a hundred different projects that he says are in development or he's working on, and next to none of them come to fruition. Well, that's Which, less, it's less so nowadays because nobody gives a shit. It's interesting yeah. that you say that because when it comes to directing wise, he's only got two things that are in the works: one movie, Machete Kills in Space. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh-huh. And one TV show, Zorro. Ooh, which I fucking I would absolutely watch a Zorro well, you know, reboot well, by, by fucking Robert a Zorro Rodriguez. Zorro TV show would be would be a really good way to do the character. Well, you I know, absolutely agree, especially really, especially if you did like a pseudo. You know how like you know when there's horror, you know how like in Scream Five it has like. Some people from the original series come back and then interact yeah. with the new people. If they brought back Antonio Banderas to play old man Zorro, much like the first Zorro movie, of course and he trains the new Zorro. That'd be awesome. That'd be pretty freaking awesome. That's, and, probably, you know, what, even, that's probably what we're going to get if, in, instead of like a mariachi sequel. <laughs> and, you know, we even, we even mentioned when we were watching Desperado, you know, why did Rodriguez not do the Zorro, Marco Zorro in 1998, right after Desperado? Like, well, yeah, because he pitched them like a $40 million budget and they were like, fuck you. We'll oh, that's go this right. other guy. And then it ended up costing $70 million. Yeah, it's that's like, right. <laughs> it's like how Tim Burton, you know, uh, Tim Burton should obviously do Adam's family and he's only going to do it now. Some sometimes directors like should do the obvious thing and they just wait too long to do it. Barry Sonnenfeld did such a good job on the Adams Family, though. No, I agree. I agree. He did it's a fr- good job that. with the first two episodes, with the first two movies episodes. Terry Gilliam was also offered uh, the Adams Family. Ooh, <laughs> it would have been gone interesting because it would have been like really depressing. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it would have been real horror rather than just campy, family friendly. Tideland. <laughs> oh, but, but um so something to discuss with El mariachi that you know i mean is a little bit forgettable but the weird precog dreams that he has oh yeah yeah so he so as a mariachi and we talk about this is like over time they seem to establish a weird mythology behind mariachis which is that you have uh, all mariachis are secretly badasses not and they just... have dreams where they can predict the future. Yeah, <laughs> and and so in this movie we have him. We have our our main character L, and he goes to sleep. He sees visions of a kid in an abandoned alley with destroyed houses and one luckily still intact metal grated bar door that just works. a freestanding door. Yeah, which is pretty great. I always kept joking about like there's that one part when one I think his second dream he goes through the door and he accidentally like bashes it pretty hard. Yeah, and it's like and about I to always fall thought, over. Oh, no, it's probably they probably cut it just before it falls over. No, <laughs> it's like production value. And the kid's playing with what's supposed to be Robert Rodriguez's head, but it's just a very goofy foam fake head. Oh, oh that's God. the character? Is Robert Rodriguez? He's got his bandana. Huh. Oh yeah, you're right. Holy shit. It's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty silly looking head. It's too. a very Halloween it's decoration. It's a horrible looking, looking head. head. <laughs> and it's also like like not even, not even not even spirit Halloween, more like like Halloween Express or one of the off beat off the beaten path independent Halloween stores. Not even party like Party City would do worse. This is still better than Party City, but just less than Spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Halloween Express. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, lesser-known in-between store. 
But those... The dream, really se- the dream nice... sequences are weird. I think they're there to pad out the movie. But yeah. it is a nice well, production value set. I mean, that is a pretty... I, I wonder where that is. Like, you know, just like an abandoned town of like partially built slash deconstructed houses. It's all in the same area where they were filming. You know, they just Cryer, found cool spots. Didn't you, didn't you say that, um, you know, uh, they primarily did those like when they were running out of film? Like, So, yeah. So, the camera, you couldn't tell when you had three minutes left, like the timer was busted. Uh, the pains of film so they essentially just yeah that's exactly the problem with my super 8 cameras it it doesn't the meter the meter you can't tell if you're out of film or not so like when they were at like three minutes they just they couldn't film anything important so they just did like a bunch of dream sequence shit because like you can just cut around whatever you lose Mm -hmm. so yeah they did a bunch of stuff with that and it's the first little boy in a yellow shirt which is a signature of these movies as you'll see in the next one yep as you'll hear and uh yeah he really wanted this to be like a just a direct-to-video movie so that he could make more indie movies hmm. you know and it was planned out as like a trilogy from the get-go that was all going to be carlos gallardo just filming like low-budget direct-to-video movies and like each one would finance the next one and then he would use those as his resume to break into hollywood wow so damn he, so he, he goes he to made it with on the first bat no yeah so he goes to los angeles and none of these houses that do the direct-to-video spanish movies wanted to sell the movie and Crazy. they were like, and they were like, oh, how much did that cost you? And he was like, uh, how much do you think it cost me? And they were like, it looks like a hundred thousand. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, and they were like, we'll give you fifty thousand. And he's like, shit, I'm glad I didn't tell them the real budget. <laughs> they would have offered me like a dollar. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know. So like that was the that was the thing. And then uh, who ends up picking it up? It's not the Weinstein's. No, it's uh, TriStar. TriStar picks it up, and they. And their their whole thing is like we got to preserve the original thing because he's like no just give me a little bit of money and I can shoot like the explosion and stuff and they're like no no we want it like this and it's uh, pure he did the talk show circuit talking about selling his body to medical science and, and you know at this point in time uh, TriStar I think had already or um, whoever had already put out uh, Reservoir Dogs or at least it was oh, about yeah. to come or Reservoir Dogs had. Uh, come out around uh, the Cannes Film Festival. I think that right? they screened together. Oh yeah, I think Con. I think at Con that year, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Wait, no. And... Okay, so I'm thinking back to the the trailer, and no, it's not Reservoir Dogs that they name drop. No, they they name Boys drop in the Hood. Boys in the Hood and John yeah. Singleton. Oh, that no was the shit. old. I really love that old trailer guy where he's like, the movie was Boys in the Hood. The director John, John Singleton. Singleton. Is I that can, a... what happened to that guy? It's not Optimus Prime. No, it totally is Optimus Prime. Is it? (laughs) Yeah, Optimus Optimus Prime. We're totally going to watch the Mariachi trailer after we we cut this. It's one of those trailers that really tries to make it look, you know. And, you know, that was one of the things that really pulled me into Mariachi initially was like, oh, shit, this seems dark and badass. Well, it ends with that shot of him. very, like, something I could make. Mm. It ends with that great shot of him walking through the street covered in blood with the machine gun just kind of, like, dazed after killing somebody. Yeah. (laughs) It's like really good and rodriguez even says like nobody gave a shit man it's another day in mexico <laughs> i mean there's a lot of a he, he clearly got a lot of like reaction shots of like regular people just having their day like yeah. that old man like the old man on the, the phone, yeah. on the phone <laughs> who's like clearly just received devastating news and they and he uses it as his reaction shot for after the hero gets like captured by the cartel people makes I love no it. No sense. But he's got a zoom lens, so you can't stop him. Yeah. <laughs> I was way over here. You thought you were safe. I'm Robert Rodriguez, and I care about nobody. 
Uh, but yeah, a mariachi. It, mm-hmm. All in all, a solid film. Absolutely. No, and it is a. It is important to watch it and like you know just think it's like yeah you you shouldn't be held down by your limitations. However, you should always ask yourself what makes a movie. You should like not be restricted by your limits, but you should also know your limits. Respect them. Well, there are certain things. It's like nowadays, if I was going to do a movie like that, I would really put aside more money for makeup effects. You know. Yeah. Because like you can, you can make a movie with very little violence, like really hit hard if the violence itself is like. That you looks know? bad. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but um, hey, you guys want to rate this puppy? Yeah. Uh, I will give it a seven out of ten. Honestly, I'm kind of right there too. I'll give it a seven out of ten. Also, it's a commendable effort, commendable first effort, and yeah, the fact that he planned on shooting a trilogy of these to use as his resume to break into Hollywood, and then boom, he just does it straight away with this is goddamn impressive. Mm-hmm. No. So, as a calling card, you know, you can certainly do worse than this. Exactly. Yeah. And so... Uh, when you compare it to a lot of 90s indie yeah. films. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Sam on this. Give it a 7 out of 10. What about you, Ryder? I'll go with a 7 out of 10. Uh, that is uh, 10 for people who don't know Spanish. <laughs> Unlike me. It's 7. Yeah. I'll go with a 5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? You're going to give it a 5 out of 10? No, wait. Siete. So that's six out of ten. No, seis is six out of ten. Seis. I'll give it seis out of ten. And the only reason I know that is because, you know, I, I tried to. I, I tried to. Well, no. Uh-uh, Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, try, cinco, seis. I try to, co- even though you guys can't see it yet, uh, <laughs> I try to coordinate my shirts that I wear for all these with what we're doing. So I don't have any mariachi related Rodriguez or anything, but you know what I do have? I do have my brujeria. Uh, machete shirt, <laughs> and nice. uh, and I know that Brujeria one song they're like a satanic cartel themed death grind band from Mexico, and one of the song titles on their first album is Say 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 Six Six Six. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> but uh, you know what though? I think it's time we give Rodriguez a slightly bigger budget to still pinch pennies around mm-hmm. well, it's like he it's like you said you know it's like hey seven million dollars i can make a thousand mariachis for that yeah yeah what can this uh crazy mexican kid do <laughs> with his next film do you guys remember when uh that dude won all those oscars for birdman and sean B- sean penn was like who gave this guy his green card no no and that's when people are like oh the oscars are terrible that's like the oscars have always been awful you <laughs> idiots <laughs> you just didn't know it but, they gave uh, the oscars have been terrible since they gave crash an oscar i'd reckon yeah. even i'd argue even since way before that you remember when fucking taxi driver didn't win best picture scorsese didn't win an oscar until the departed Remember when so e- you know remember, it's sad. remember when movies like E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark didn't win Best Picture? Yeah, or Jaws or Star Jaws, Wars. Jaws, yeah. Ooh, or or how Peter O'Toole didn't win an Oscar except for a participation Oscar, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> but uh I think though it's time to give Rodriguez a bigger budget and give El Mariachi the true Evil Dead 2 treatment Fuck with yeah. Desperado. See Desperado. After losing his name and backstory in a bet, El Classic takes on a new identity as one of the Los Gotaras Hermanos. Unfortunately, what they spent on flashy guitars 
they forgot to spend on guitar fighting lessons, so the brothers die before they can franchise. Now, new L is free to live his new life with new repercussions, including playing crowds, shooting up bars, having precognition dreams, fighting mini machete, having sex with bookstore surgeons, and eventually having to kill his own brother. Which could be El Classic's brother, because him and El Newell don't really look alike. <laughs> that was the thing is like, you know, you could be like, oh, he had surgery, but the Bucho's like, it's my brother, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, oh, wait, what happened to your face, brother? No, it's like, you're my brother. And it's interesting because they, like, restaged the ending of El Mariachi, but with Antonio Banderas. Yeah, like, they get everybody back. Well, I mean, assuming they get... I'm pretty sure that's a new person playing Azul. No, it's a... They have Moco there. They have Moco there, but... They have Moco, they have Mustache, they have Domino, just to be dead for a moment. Yeah, they have Domino there to be dead. Which, (laughs) how great must that that call have been? Hey... Uh, we got a, we're, we're doing a sequel to that movie you were in. I need you to play dead as your character again. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as thankless as mustache guy who has to come back just to get the match struck on his face one more time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that they do take pains to tie it to El Mariachi and that, like, this is picking up where that story leaves off. But I'm still convinced that he just, you know, won the name and backstory in a bet. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't really address that. At the end of El Mariachi, his, his girlfriend dies because of the stupid shit with the cartel boss, Moco. Girlfriend, in quotes. Yeah, the girl that he likes. A I girl that he met. I guess they fucked. Did they? I don't know. Probably <laughs> not. Thank God he makes it more clear in this one. Yeah, for oh yeah, he she makes was, it clear in yeah. this one. She was the woman I loved. <laughs> Your men killed the woman I love and ruined my life. <laughs> Maybe it's like, you know, you know how like sometimes, you know, for some guys it's like, you know, you know, a girl you never talked to, but you love them kind of situation. Like you project a, a life. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's like that. And there's no other tie-ins to the first one because like at the end of the first one, he's like loaded up with shit. He's got the guitar case, he's got the stoner dog, and he's got the shitty motorcycle. Yeah. He's like, I'm ready for the future. And you don't see any of that shit. Because the turtle stole all of it. Yep, the turtle and the dog ran away together. Yeah. No, I'm so freaking high, man. Also, we didn't really address it, but like the suitcase of guns in the first one is really not that impressive. It's very ramshackle tape to it's literally a taped together cardboard guitar case. And one of them it. is one of them is like a pirate gun in the first one. Like he's got <laughs> knives taped to the top. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, not, he had, he not had, great. He had he had two cases. He had like a, one made of cardboard that was painted all black for like the wide shots when he's walking around with it. But then he had an actual guitar case with like the velvet lining and all that. But it didn't have the black finish over the the lid, so he couldn't use it for like opening. So it's like you would see him set this fucking flopping around cardboard case up on a surface, start to open that just wide enough to where he could cut to the other side of with the real case opening and you see the velvet and the guns and stuff inside and Well, and yeah, at one point like the handle broke off the cardboard one, so in the dream sequence he's, he's grabbing just, like, holding the guitar it. case like by the top, yeah. which is like if there was a guitar in there you wouldn't be able to pick it up or whatever. No, yeah. But um he's got he's got great 
guitar strength. He, but we're, he, we're he takes that. the yeah he takes the guitar case full of guns with him, and that's the only thing that the turtle and Stoner Dog didn't steal. So he just kept it and decided to just go murdering. Yeah, well, and he really he that. really amped it up though. He got he ran into like that blue hooded guy from Resident Evil Four who is like stranger because <laughs> he had the handheld shotgun. He's got grenades. He's got a crotch gun. He's got mm-hmm. the two pistols. He's got the two pistols that go up his sleeves, which is fucking dope. He's also with such tight. He's sleeves. got he's got two different shotguns. Remember, he's got the one with the drum magazine, which, which is fucking awesome. I wonder shotgun. if that's actually a gun or not, or if that's part of Steve Buscemi's fantasy. <laughs> I know that that is that is a gun. Like there no, are no, guns no, like no. That. I just mean like. Because you never see it again. I wonder if it's a gun he actually oh. had or if that's oh, just yeah. Buscemi's exaggeration. Like, yeah, oh, he's the biggest Mexican he, I've ever seen. Because then he also has the sawed-off double barrel that he mainly uses. Which is in the poster. It's in Once Upon a Night in Mexico. That's arguably Antonio Banderas' signature Oh, 100%. Gun. Mm. That, that and the dual pistols are the ones that get the most mileage. No, yeah, we finally get the dual pistol action. And, like, this is next to Hard Boiled, my favorite dual-wielding movie man. <laughs> It's important yeah, to note, you know, as groundbreaking as El Mariachi would prove to be, it was also released in 1992, the same year John that I was drawn. Yeah, that too, but that was the same year. Me too. That, that was also the same year that John Woo dropped Hard Boiled. So, oh, man. as awesome as Mariachi is, you you're, you ain't shit compared to the Tea House shootout alone. <laughs> no, and he actually talked about it. He looked into the John Woo movies and they, he realized that it's like part of what makes those movies good is an extremely long shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. So he shot Desperado in like 60 days. Yeah. So all these action scenes, they really have the time to fucking do them. And that's one thing I really like about the 10-minute film school for Desperado because for Desperado... Yeah, he did video storyboards. Yeah, he spends most of the 10 minutes focused on the bar shootout, and he talks about how he took a camcorder to the location with the actors and did just like little mini video storyboards just to kind of get a grip on what they were going to try to do. And No, and he talks about how like the last sequence he wanted to do a really cool shot where you start on the car of bad guys and the camera pulls out to reveal the three guys standing there. Yeah. yeah. Which they didn't get it. Which is a bummer, but it's still a great shot when the three guys are in the streets and it's like, oh, together again. Yeah, Carlos Gallardo <laughs> back. Yeah, Carlos Gallardo comes back as the dude with the dual-wielding guitar cases. Yeah, uh, they're machine guns. Such a, <laughs> man, they really got fantastical with those like crazy weird guitars. It's like it's like a Sin City gun, if anything. Oh, no, 100%. Not yeah. Sin City, uh, Saints Row gun. Oh, no, I, yeah. could, I could see I could see Frank Miller drawing the the guitar case guns into Sin City. <laughs> Sin City Two had the reloading crossbow, which was really annoying. I mean, uh, it's in Lord of the Rings. They have that in Van Helsing, also. In Van Helsing, it's a machine gun crossbow. Yeah, yeah, true. Outside of Lord of the Rings, these are not good movies to imitate those. <laughs> but um, the old Van Helsing, I don't think anybody likes that movie, do they? I, I like Van Helsing. Uh, I'm on the middle. I mean, we're going to be doing our own Steven Summers trilogy with La Mummy. Yeah. 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 Got to capitalize on the Renaissance while we can. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. We're going to love him until he dies. Hell yeah. But, um, but anyways, um, you know, we, we start off Desperado, though, with this really fucking badass dream. Or, uh, like a retelling. Buscemi goes into the bar that gets shot up later on in the movie. and you got He's Chichi. literally named Buscemi if you look at the script. Really? That's, That's like how he got 
Buscemi to be in it because he saw Reservoir Dogs while he was at Con. Yeah, while he was promoting oh. El Mariachi, and he was like, "I really want that guy in my movie." And he was like, "If I just name him that character, maybe Buscemi, Buscemi will read it." We Cor- should do that for our next script. We should write in, uh, you know, Robert Red, uh, Robert uh, Patterson. Patterson. And Hi, we'll my get, name is Judge Robert Patterson, and then we'll get Ju- Judge Robert Patterson to be in our film. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Rodriguez and Tarantino collaborate on Four Rooms by now at this point? Yeah, which yeah, is uh, so. really... Which is where he gets Antonio Banderas from, too, right? That's the first time he uses Antonio Banderas, and it's also kind of setting the... So, Four Rooms is an anthology film. I can't remember the other two directors, but uh, two of them are Tarantino and Rodriguez. So, Rodriguez does a short called The Misbehaviors. Mm-hmm. And that's with Antonio about, Banderas, right? With Antonio Banderas, it's about these two kids who are left alone um, in the care of the uh, bellhop played by Tim uh, Tim Roth. Mm-hmm. And they just go crazy, and there's like a dead body in the bed and everything. So it's 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 a kid's thing, but it's also very dark. Oh, Four Rooms apparently is... It's the same year as Desperado, but it came out after Desperado. I think he shot it beforehand, though. And the kid in that is the same kid who's the yellow-shirted boy in this. And the other directors are Allison Anders. And okay. Alexandra Rockwell. Yep. And apparently Chuck Jones for the animated sequences. Yeah, wow. It has a love Chuck Jones. Oh, yeah. It has a Pink Panther-style opening. Four rooms, not great. Very 90s. Check it out. I do recommend the Tarantino section because it's Tarantino is the lead actor. It's along like the with, man from Hollywood or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's all shot in one take where they're trying to convince the bellhop to, they're going to play a game where this if this guy can light his lighter ten times in a row... He's gonna win all this. He's gonna win Tarantino's Cadillac. But if he misses even one, the bellhop has to cut off his pinky. Oh shit! And so like all this build up, all this build up, and the first cut is literally when he fails to light the lighter, and then Tim Roth just cuts off his <laughs> finger and leaves while they're all going Holy insane. Shit. That's great. No, but uh, but anyway, so yeah, so we start off though. Buscemi goes into the bar that'll get shot up later. And we got Cheech Marin as the bartender this time, which is fucking great. <laughs> oh yeah, he's, yeah. Honestly, he's he's a good actor. Cheech Marin is awesome. Is, no, I mean, it's like between the two of them, we watched Color Out of Space recently. Tommy yes. Chong is not a very good actor. No, he's not. He's not a great. He's not a good actor, but he is at least funny. Hey, Amen. <laughs> and I mean, there's a reason why. Uh, I Robert think you're Rodriguez... just. I think you're just remembering wrong how we put that Tommy Chong voice into. Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what's going on. But uh, Cheech Marin is a good actor because I mean he is back for a lot of the Spy Kids films and he he does a he's lot in of every Rodriguez, Rodriguez movie after this. I think. Really? Is that so? Pretty much. Oh dang! Good old Cheech Marin. Yeah, he's the fucking he's the Barker out in front of the Titty Twister and he, from no, he's like Dawn. five characters in that one. Yeah, well, that's know, right. Yeah, there's yeah always... he's like a border patrol agent in he's from a Dust Till also. And I remember even watching it and being very confused. Yeah, and he was the he's the guy that comes to pick him up at the end, right? And the next morning, yes, <laughs> I was just these like four brothers. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but any, was really anywho, funny though, in that seventy show. Anywho, though, uh, Cheech Marin's the bartender here, and Steve Buscemi comes in, and is just he just Buscemi's the fuck out of this scene, and it's so great. It is yeah, really is. that is one of his, the most Buscemi performances of his this lifetime. This bar is full of real low, low lies, lies. <laughs> not like not like the class acts you have here. <laughs> 
But yeah, he starts telling the story about this the biggest Mexican he's ever seen just goes through and just fucking annihilates his whole bar and the way Rodriguez shoots this the bill see this this right here is a perfect example of something that I feel like we didn't get as much in Mariachi and if we did, it wasn't done as well just because he was as much of a novice as he is mm-hmm. at this point. But at this point, he's practically an expert at build up. Yeah. Like the way he builds up Banderas's mariachi cuz we know we've got a new guy in the role at this point. And yeah, he does like, not he does not show his face at all in this whole opening scene. That's brilliant. Yeah, cuz they have Except that Except for that one bit. Well, you yeah, see we his see, you see his eyes. Yeah. Really his face? Fun. No. His, his eyes. eyes. <laughs> that was it's so good. Yeah, we have this like I guess it did happen. Because mm-hmm. it's like they the whole thing is there. it later on. Yeah, it's like that was a fucking bloodbath. It's like, hey, that wasn't my fault. They started it. <laughs> then it's like, so it's the they're trying to shake information loose about this um, cartel boss named Bucho, who's like our kind of big bad in this. So who, who plays Bucho again? What's his name? Oh, uh, that would. He's amazing. Whoever he is. I'm trying to, hold on. The main bad guy in this. I was Bucho. looking up the history of Antonio Banderas and his acting career. Had but, he done Assassins before this? Uh, no, uh, this is before Assassins. So what was it? What you did got, he done before you this? Got, you got for the most part, he's just in a lot of, uh, you know, for like a lot of his Spanish titled movies. Before that, he was in uh, Interview with a Vampire the year prior. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. this was kind of like his it's big the same breakout hair. era. Yeah. yeah, it's the same fucking hair that he has in uh, Interview with a Vampire. And Bucho is played by Joaquim de Alameda. Alameda. Uh, hold on, I'm Hispanic. Oh, I thought okay. he was. I, I really thought he was another white guy playing a Mexican. Because no, he's because very... El Mariachi has a white guy playing a Mexican, and fucking Once Upon a Time in Mexico has a white guy playing a Mexican. No, he's from Portugal. He's quite Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. If he you was... can, well, no, that's not his. That's Latino. Has he been in anything else? Is oh that... yeah, he's he's a he. This guy is a great bad guy. Like he was also in uh, Clear and Present Danger. Is uh, I, well, I don't know if he was a bad guy in that, but. Uh, he's in Clear and Present Danger. He was also one of the. Uh, he's a good actor. He was sure. one of the. He was one of the Carnales uh, heads in the first Saints Row. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Saints, Saints Row, Row Saints Row really comes up a lot in our lives. It's he's a good. A, it's a good series of games. A good he, tetralogy. He's in there. Fast Five. He's in Beyond Enemy Lines or Behind Enemy Lines. Um, yeah. The Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> a oh movie God, seen by nobody. <laughs> I, no, but I he, have it on the shelf back there. He have, plays have a you, great you villain. Watched it? No, I haven't exactly. watched it. Exactly. You own I, it and you haven't watched it. But no, he, I'm busy, okay? Al, Give Al, me a break. I'm drawing Al, a lot of stuff. Alameda plays a great villain in this. He's so over the top and melodramatic every time he's on screen and chews every ounce of scenery there is. No, and like the villains in all these movies, not, not so much in... The third one, because their villains are kind of spread out a little bit, but in There's the first and the second, the one. they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Why are we failing to kill one guy? <laughs> yeah, like, even more so than the first movie. The first movie, like the guy's like, yeah, that's not him. Get out. But he get killed him. like five or four guys. Okay, get, get him, him out of here. here. Get him out of here. We can't afford to film an explosion. But 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 you got the, but uh, yeah this guy he's like super pissed that yeah, he, about this guy he there he is surrounded by incompetence mm-hmm. and it's so great how much it pisses him off. Well, we 
so yeah, we introduce him like they're just having one of those things the bad guys do where we're just having our daily MMA fights because they got like this new kid who's like, hey, it's my it's my brother-in-law or something. It's Mexican my, Justin my Long. something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mexican Justin Long wants to join the cartel. So they're like, oh, he's got to fight the big guy. It's Christos. really funny that they... Christos. It's really funny that they set him up only to have him like shot off a roof later on. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, but like, he, he actually, he does have one of the more noteworthy henchmen deaths because he like he gets shot and he knows he's like he's done for so he like takes a dive off the roof and just keeps shooting but because he's one of bucho's men he's incompetent by you know natural causes and misses every single shot meanwhile banderas just hits every single shot on the way down (laughs) but his uh the, the the one guy the white looking like guy that's got like a cowboy hat oh he's, uh, he's cowboy. dead boss I, I looked up his name apparently in the movie his he shrug his character is shrug <laughs> you see that's, that's he does that like, all the time he's just like I don't know <laughs> but, but my yeah, my, fa- my favorite instance of that is when Bucho gets his limous his bulletproof limousine back and they take it out to go find uh, Banderas and. Uh, Bucho's Colombian superiors call in to let him know that they unleashed a wild Danny Trejo in the streets <laughs> of this town. And not and, to shoot him. Because he's it, a protected species. And, it, and so he's like, okay, well I need to let these guys know that Danny Trejo, Proto Machete's running around town so they don't kill him. Hey, what's the number to the phone in my car? And no one knows it. <laughs> and he just gets more and more pissed off. He's very much a proto machete because his machetes haven't his his knives haven't grown to proper machetes. No, and yet. I think like, <laughs> he's holding on to them until they grow on his body. I, I think until machete, he always plays a character with some sort of blade name. Yeah. So I think in Dust Till Dawn, he's like Billy Razor or something. Something like that. Billy Razor. And I, I haven't think seen this Dust one Till Dawn. Like, it's a. It's a Fantastic wildly movie. silly movie. <laughs> Fantastic. One of my favorite vampire movies it's ever. Just, okay, but you can agree, right, that it's like, isn't it weird how dark it is in some spots and how just like fucking horror goofy it is in other spots? Yeah. Like, I, why is Tarantino's character a rapist serial killer? Because Tarantino wrote him. No, <laughs> I know, but why? It's such an Alex Cross kind of character, too. Kind of like a Unforgiven? No, Unforgiven. Uh... You know the the movie the Alice Cross movie about a, a whole bunch of like you know low lives hiding out in a western looking town. It's Alex Cross. Alex Cross. Salma Alex Tra- Cox. Alex Cox. Sorry, I thought you were talking about like the um, fucking Medea guy, Tyler Perry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> so you're talking about Straight to Hell? Yeah, like Straight to Hell. Like it's a lot of like Straight to Hell type characters that are just like. Like, lower than low lives, but not relatable low lives. That's the good thing about Straight to Hell, though, is because everybody sucks. Yeah, everybody sucks in that movie, yes. But uh, I remember when we were young, uh, Kreider and I, and I was like, you'd always bring up uh, Dust Till Dawn. And I was like, I need to see Dust Till Dawn. And you'd be like, no, you don't. I still don't necessarily think you have to see it. <laughs> no, I do. I I, th- I think you do. <laughs> we, can, we can watch it. It's fun. Yeah. but uh, Is there a trilogy? Yeah, I but guess, unfortunately. We we're not doing that, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, two, two and three were straight to video and it fucking sucks oh, so Texas. bad. Yeah, no. No to straight to... Well, Texas I mean, not no to straight money. to video, but no to straight to video for this one anyway. I know. That's why we can't do the Darkman trilogy. <laughs> but, I, I would do the Darkman trilogy. What are you I've never seen about? the sequels, so. Me either. But yeah. why we will do Aladdin. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so coming later this year, R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh. R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried, Aladdin. Thumbs down to that for being real. For real. But not for real. But for real. 
But any, anyway, so back so, to Desperado, though. So, yeah, so Antonio Banderas, I don't know what his method of recon is because, like, he it's goes in and like across he, the street and having a smoke. But <laughs> Buscemi, like, goes in and tells everybody, it's like, yeah, this guy's coming right here. And yeah. then when he comes in, they're like, hey, we heard about the suitcase full of, the guitar case full of guns. And then he's like, he's got the fake front, but, like, wouldn't it have been better to just not talk about, I don't know, because they wanted to see if the Bucho story mattered at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, because, yeah, Buscemi mentions, though, that, uh, uh, and you even see it in the intro when um, when he's like, oh, he said something like bitch or bucho. The moment he says the name Cheech, who's not paying any attention, just immediately just freezes. Not just yeah. him, everybody yeah, in the bar turns like, to him. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the piano player stops. <laughs> yeah. Pian- wait, wait, there was a piano player? No, I'm just doing the joke on like old oh, West. Oh, the classic Western joke. Okay, piano gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 Not, not not a lot of that. Only in the first movie is there a piano player in a bar. Yeah, but he doesn't do anything. He plays a bunch of goofy synths. What are you talking about? Was, yeah. I mean, was that guy in the corner while those other guys were getting shot? Well, yes, he was. Not his job. Okay, Not his job to care about what happens to his patrons. No es mi trabajo. Trabajar. And they're, not, they're not even his patrons. They're his uncle's patrons. I tell oh, you, true. it's not Spanish so that's hard so much as the conjugation. How's that tequila treating you, Sam? He's on his second one now. Seriously? Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm good. How are yeah. you doing? I'm about halfway through this egg now. <laughs> I'm just uh, quietly ruminating on my... Now that we mentioned, I will crunch ice on Mike. There we go. Oh, God. Do people, people like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can cut it out. They probably like it as much as like Mike chewing noises for our home listeners this is now a uh an asmr you know like <laughs> no this is a mukbang podcast now essentially mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. i'm biting the skin on the inside of my own cheeks mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but anyway so um so antonio banderas like Buscemi's kind of fed up with because he ends up meeting up with him afterwards, and I know, yeah, like so they're... fed up with him that he hides out in a confession box until luckily Antonio Banderas arrives in the Imagine... neighboring confession box to confess how tired he is. Imagine just all to the deliver other... his comeback. Imagine all the other confessions he had to give for people that just came into the box until Antonio Banderas showed up. Imagine Steve Buscemi taking your confession and like absolving you of your sins. Heaven, <laughs> Father, I have sins. I, 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 I stole all the rubber bands from my workplace. I mean, <laughs> you think well, your sins are bad? <laughs> Get a load of what I've got. <laughs> I um, I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah, so like he gets into another shootout at the bar because they were expecting him. Yeah. They shoot Tarantino because it's like your cameo is over, Tarantino. <laughs> Which yeah, how about, uh, how about Tarantino's acting in that movie, huh? Man, I mean, my favorite part in this movie is the American tourist who looks very Latina. Yeah, I feel like yeah. they should have cast a more American-looking woman, but she's, she's just got the whole. She's like, from just uh, across the border. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, we where was our waiter? We didn't come by. I used to work in a bar. I used to work. I know what it's like to wait on people. I, uh, is the he even ta- back from the bathroom? The beer tastes like piss, 
And it's like that's a come. That's a, we know that's an ongoing joke it. in the movie about how like they're just like, oh, we piss in the beer. That's it's warm. It's, it's warm. <laughs> it's warm beer called Chunga, which I think means piss. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is also the recurring brand in Rodriguez's work. Is like there's a beer brand called Chunga. I think he actually even made like a line of it in real life too. And wow. Up, and true to its word, it tasted horrible. <laughs> and I guess that's what you. I guess that's what happens when you. Do you guys like, re- did you guys ever see that episode of George Lopez show where Robert Rodriguez plays with a band? No. No. It's I really didn't even know that existed. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, he I've plays seen... with a band at one point and like and he's I'm gonna like, look oh, that up right here's now. Here's my friend Robert Rodriguez. I've it's seen like, a lot what? of episodes of George Lopez, but I've never seen that episode. Yeah. You know, isn't it interesting when you like try to make merchandise of something that is actively disgusting within the universe that it's from like birdie bot beans like do you oh, ever yeah. really eat the birdie bot beans when there's like yeah. stuff like vomit and well, like they weren't they were never that bad though but like they'd be like grass and it would taste kind of like grass oh you know i never i got birdie bot beans but i never actually ate the birdie bots that are like disgusting yeah i did oh, you and they were it. terrible <laughs> i was like, i just shove i just shove random shit into my mouth no matter what and just chew cut it to, so you just cut like to age 30 good he still just shoves random shit into his mouth and hope it tastes good <laughs> no 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 if you mix the good stuff with the bad stuff hopefully the good stuff like like cancels out all the bad stuff it a little. All, I, all i need is like just fucking just something made from the bone marrow of an animal that i can <laughs> chew on <laughs> Cherry flavored bone marrow. Yeah. Just give me cherry flavored bone marrow, and that's all I need. That's no, jello. But, uh, but you know, that's we, just jello, dude. Yeah, essentially. So, like, we we've, we've talked about it already before, even in mariachi. But we get to this bar shootout, though, and god damn it, it is so good. It's a pretty so, epic shootout. The like, opening is fun, but this is probably the best shootout overall right I, not only would i say overall but i would say this is just one of the best shootouts in movies oh, like because like, top five or top ten material i'd say at least top ten because yeah, okay. it's like you know now that would be a list in the in, <laughs> yeah. in the in the 10 minute film school he brings up hard-boiled and how hong kong movies were pretty much the standard at that point for action cinema and how it pretty much was a huge influence on him going into this bigger budgeted retelling of El Mariachi. So obviously we're going to get uh, an homage to the Tea House shootout, which is one of the most iconic action movie scenes ever, where he's uh, uh, doing the dual wield sliding down a, bar- a banister. For context, nice. for those of you that haven't seen uh, Hard Boiled before, it's at the beginning of the movie, so there's no spoilers, but uh, Chow Yum Fat is under him and his squad are undercover at a, a Tea House waiting for a weapons trade to go down. And it goes down and just all fucking hell breaks loose. And you got Chow Yun-Fat with infinite ammo, dual-wielding pistols. And it is the most badass shit ever. And you can see that all over this bar shootout in Desperado. Especially, like, my favorite, one of my favorite images in this whole trilogy is when it starts. You know, they freak out because the fake guitar top comes open and they see the guns. Mm-hmm. And you got the one guy who's about to come up and cap Banderas. He's got his hands up. He does try to be, like, peaceful, though. He's like, yeah, hey, he's like, hey I, I'm I'm not, I don't want you guys. I'm not fighting you guys. Yeah, I just want exactly. And then this guy's about to shoot him, so he just fucking flings two pistols out of his sleeves and just blows the guy away. <laughs> he, you know, like, he, he literally empties both clips on the guy and then impressive. unloads. Has anybody ever, like, they try to do the thing where the gun slides out, but it just, like, throws it at the person? <laughs> <laughs> 
that be interesting. That would be funny. Because you know, they never, no one really <laughs> goes me, into the physics and mechanics of the gun slide out sleeve that, thing. It's very hard to do. To it me, is that, very hard. You gotta have big sleeves. You know, to me, that just seems like something or you small see uh, Joe Bluth do, like with the pigeons. That was just like, like, surprise, surprise, illusion. You know, I the way I see it, the more practical way of doing this is like. Travis and Taxi Driver. He actually makes the track on that no, he can put on his wrist. Well, that's the thing. And it's, it's like, a smaller gun too. Like yeah. Banderas has two like full Desert on nine. Eagle, mil- like, no, no, they're like two they're full nines. on nine millimeter guns, but still okay. very much not guns that would fit just in a regular coat's sleeve. Unless no, you're they wearing tra- a they kimono. Track, you know, and we never see the me- me- the mechanic of it. But they like they track out, and then he just holds them normally. They're not like stuck to his hands. Like even in Alien Resurrection, like the guy's like, I can't take them off now. They're st- they're attached to my hands. Yeah. Anyway. Silly movie, Alien Resurrection. Yeah, but that's the only problem with it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice of you to say, but carrying on. That's <laughs> Prado. So yeah, he like you shoots have up everybody. You to come to your senses. Yeah. Get to your fences. That's no, not, that's not a lyric. It's been out riding fences. It's a good song, The Eagles. The uh, Eagles are good. But, I know um, you hate the fucking Eagles. I don't. <laughs> Just because Jeff Bridges does doesn't mean I do. But another, anyway, so yeah, another another shot that I really love in this though is when he's kneeling down at the case, and he's reloading, and fucking just as They're he reloads. Yeah, they're shooting at him, and just as he reloads, the one dude runs across the bar and jumps off. He, like, flips over, catches him on the bottoms of his feet, and then just kicks him up into the air, and he just flies up and just... He shoots boom. him while while fleeing him into the air, and, but... And once again, just unloads both magazines on uh, into him, and, like, you can actually... Is that the part where they're, like, shooting at me? He's like, you missed me! <laughs> no, 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 uh, this, is, uh, this is a different part. But uh, this is after he, he had dove over the bar himself when he was hiding behind the bar. Um, no, but he, uh, in the 10-minute film school, you actually see um, Rodriguez goes frame by frame when it's the shot on Antonio Banderas when he's firing yeah, straight the into the camera. Oh, no shit. He was firing so close, though, that he actually actually blew the mat box off. And if you Ooh. go frame by frame, you can actually see it drop You can past. see the... Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Ouch. Which is like... So dangerous to film with real blanks that close to the camera. That's like, that's a Rodriguez move. People I know, but also in Phantasm, like when they were doing the shotgun shell scene, like where he's shooting out of the car, like Don Coscarelli set his whole face on fire for that. Like people like assume blanks aren't that dangerous. They but are. Blanks are very dangerous. Blanks are super fucking dangerous. <laughs> like people like really don't know how dangerous it is to work with guns, either like empty or blanks like when it comes blanks, to movie blanks sets. may not have the projectile the bullet but you know it's still a fucking bullet it's though. still no, an explosion if, going off yeah. at the end of the barrel and if something's inside there like if something gets clogged in there you're, you're gonna get shooting it with lead. the force yeah. yeah so like that's why i just like fake guns you cgi'd over that uh-huh but uh it's easy so yeah it's it's a master class in action cinema though like one of the best at least to come out of the 90s for sure and, and you also see uh, tarantino literally oh. just walks in out of our dreams ah uh, yes <laughs> yeah like so so out of our dreams that uh two cars crash at the <laughs> that is that is pretty great and like it's really nice that it's like uh, no shade on the actors in the first one but it's just like 
the sexual chemistry brought on screen by Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas off the charts. Mm-hmm. It makes the because they're great. They're great actors on their own. They're great together. It's the perfect fucking mariachi story. You know, it's like you you make you made it have stakes. Here's something to discuss. That's kind of interesting. You know, the style of this movie. It's very maximalist, very stylized action. You can kind of see how that would carry on pretty well with the little battle angel, in my opinion. Like, it carries very anime manga-style action, don't you think? In a no, way, yeah. Like, like, I can, I he's can a cartoonist. See, like, he's, he started out as a cartoonist, you know? Oh, really? I can, yeah. I can kind of see, I like, see his cartoons. I can kind of see, like, uh, a little bit of, like... Uh, uh, Spike from Cowboy Bebop in, mm-hmm. in Antonio Banderas' character, especially oh, yeah. like with the church shootout in, uh, uh, in uh, Cowboy Bebop. I can totally see if only Rodriguez Rod- taking some influence. If only Rodriguez said the live-action Cowboy Bebop. That would have been there awesome! There would have been a match made in heaven. Like Cowboy Bebop, I'm just going to say it. Cowboy Bebop live-action. As, as a big fan of Cowboy Bebop, not a terrible adaptation. I've seen worse. I didn't see it. It's not I still need to bad. see it. It's like cosplayers like working in a stylized set, but you know, could have been worse. I watched a frame of it, and it literally looked like Attack of the Clones. A little bit. It's like <laughs> none of these environments strike me as real. <laughs> okay, it is very stylish, yes, but it's not terrible. It's it's not Death Note bad. So like the the maximalist thing uh, that is. I think that the best example of that in Rodriguez's modern filmography is definitely Alita Battle Angel. Mm-hmm. Because he's got great uh, emotional grounding. The chick who plays Alita is amazing. And he uh, also... Christoph Waltz is really good in that one. Jeff Fahey, like... And Jeff it... Fahey's in Alita Battle Angel? Yeah. Yeah, he's oh, got wow. robot dogs. Oh, also... Uh... I still haven't seen it, so... <sighs> Shoot, what's his name? Uh, something Ali? Uh... Come on. Uh, Mahasha Ali. Mahasha Ali's in it as well. But yeah, like, uh, you know, he clearly does have a, eventually is a really good understanding of, like, stylized CGI and uh, interaction with his actors. Because it's pretty rough with CGI in the beginning. No, and he kind of talks about CGI in the 10 minute film school for Once Upon a Time in Mexico as, like, an excuse for laziness. <laughs> 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 clearly, before Once Upon a Time in Mexico. But uh, Desperado is kind of the sweet spot because it's it's super '90s, man. Mm-hmm. And there were all these, there were a lot of movies like this in the '90s that mm-hmm. were just not as good. That were kind of inspired by John Woo, Tarantino, Rodriguez, like way the gun, things to do in Denver when you're dead. They would often feature Buscemi or some like low rent, you know, Andy Garcia type of guy, Benicio as, del Toro. <laughs> in a just... way, Godfather Three is almost like a precursor to that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can kind of see with a very stylized sets. And very like, stylized not set, working you know, too well like, with the camera and the actors. And like Andy Garcia was more of a badass than any of the other protagonists ever yeah. were. You know, like he's fucking disarming guys. It, there's something you know, like there's something nice when it comes to the more maximalist stylized set designers, like. Uh, uh, Rodriguez or uh, Wes Anderson to like understand oh let's have a little bit of fun with the camera and the art de- department when it comes to our cameras because there's a lot of movies in the 90s that just like don't do well when it comes to their art design that just look just clashes with the actors we discussed like, how they look like sets yeah they'll have like very I don't know I just remember a lot of top lighting in the 90s yeah a lot of top lighting a lot of just like the lights right here and just like people will emerge into the light and then everything yeah. behind it will be just kind of black yeah. Like not to be mean to James Bond, but every set from the nineties of those James Bond movies look like they're made of fucking plastic. 
I you, mean, know, you know what I mean, right, Briggs? Yes, I do know what you mean. Like, I just think of just like look the, fake. the sets in like uh, Batman Forever or something like that. Oh yeah, the bat, especially the Schumacher era Batmans. Yeah, like, like the finale of Batman <laughs> Forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like even as a little kid, I was like, "Where are they?" <laughs> but that's what I love about Desperado, though, is it feels like Mariachi. It feels like he just went to a town and just shot there. I believe yeah. it's the same town. You really? Because he it? talks about how they would like hire crew members and extras, and it would be like, oh, f- shit, you were in the first one. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's fun. I mean, it's still, I mean, as stylized as Desperado can get, especially with like the bookstore, like it still feels like a real place. No, and like he's got enough of a budget now where it feels very grounded. Mm-hmm. The kid is like an actual character instead of just a weird dream sequence. Yeah, we got this little kid mm-hmm. who's an aspiring mariachi, his his dad. He uh, used to be a mariachi, but now he just sits at home watching TV all day. He's yeah. watching his Among stories. other things, we find out. Well, yeah, that well, the kid is facilitating like drug exchanges yeah. through his guitars to help make sure his dad doesn't have to work. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a very that grounded. Sad. And you know, it's we a sad and grounded tragic sort of thing. You know, later on we get we get like uh, when we find this out, we get another great Rodriguez visual image of uh, this is after. So Danny, Tre- oh man, we haven't even talked about Danny Trejo in we this thing yet. We lost Danny Trejo. No, we need to talk about Danny. So Trejo. So Danny Trejo is <laughs> sent in by was it the, the Colombian cartel? The Colombian cartel this to is, help them kill. This the is his first collaboration with Trejo, right? Yeah, but he was around. Yeah, he it's oh yeah, he was be. around. But I'm pretty sure this was his first collaboration. Is this pre Con Air. This. Oh, no. Maybe. Not Con Air. This, though, this is where... Con Air sucks. Don't give me that look. Con Air's a good movie. Con Air is awful. Have you seen Con Air? No, I haven't. I'm not talking to you. Oh, sorry. No, I haven't. But no, this, though, according to Rodriguez, this meeting to do Desperado and, you know, Trejo's character has no dialogue. I thought they were cousins. No, I don't think so. Okay. But uh, who's cousins? Man, there's a lot of dog. We we traded cats for dogs now, <laughs> but uh, but anyways, this is where Machete was born because you know uh, Rodriguez and Trejo were talking about how Mexico didn't really have any equivalent to like Charles Bronson or Chuck Norris or anything like that, hmm. and you know they always wanted to see something like that, and so you know Trejo, the the lineless throwing knife that ass in this movie yeah you know this is and if you, you know, if you notice he dials a phone using uh, a knife blade uh which we now <laughs> which we now know is a great way to avoid diseases yeah exactly but you know we also see some elements of machete that, that would go on to be in machete like you know in machete there's the great shot of him on the roof of the limousine throwing the machetes down in through the sunroof. Yeah. That comes from Desperado, where he's fucking throwing the throwing knives in. <laughs> That's a great. What's it's just and very anime character like too. It's very yes. anime. It's very funny though to me. What every time you see someone throw a throwing knife, and if they miss, you just hear it go ding ding ding. You know, it's just like full air knives. <laughs> and I there's, mean, there's no continuity of loss of knives either in that scene. No, like, he's got like a he's got he like a rack like, of them on his chest, but he, he never runs out. Like he eventually, eventually, <laughs> like he, eventually, they're counting down as he's like trying to kill Banderas. But eventually, once they run into the armored limo, then he's got the same three knives on his belt. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's great too, though, because it's like so he well, kills so Bashami. It dips into so yeah. They they kind of introduce him to have some of the weird element that we talked about from the first one, where it's about missing mistaken identity. Yeah, yeah. So they see it's like oh, just some random dude dressed in black. That might be our guy. Let's kill Danny Trejo, and he 
just he'll he'll kill anyone. Well, he's a, he's yeah. in the, he's in the middle of tracking down Banderas, yeah. and so he kills Buscemi, which that's great because Buscemi just like just, he turns around and just like well, just no, yeah, two yeah. knives to I the think chest. Banderas is like, okay, <laughs> okay, we'll quit before we die. Yeah, and then doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. and, and then and then he starts filling up Antonio Banderas with knives too. Like he hits him once in the side of the arm. He hits, hits him, him in, both in the arms. yeah. He yeah. hits him one in each arm, and then the one in the shoulder behind him as he's trying to get away. He's doing pretty well until the dumbasses come and kill him. Yeah, yep. and then yeah, then the fucking. The, the clown car shows up <laughs> and they, the guy just straight up he's got the rifle and it's like you know he could have just like shot Danny Trejo right there but instead because he's in company he's like hey man who are you blah 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 and Danny Trejo just looks around and gives him just that little bit of time where he just flings the knife and kills the dude on sight does <laughs> no, that limo help anybody no it doesn't like, between like they they kill one guy with knives, or then they fight the guys. At well, the it's end like it's a, like oh, leave it. A bulletproof limo is not for this type of work. You yeah. know, mm. you should have a bulletproof like all terrain vehicle or something, like Memo's truck. Yeah, like a, Memo's truck. But like he keeps telling them to go into the limo because it's like that's what I bought it for. But also like it's a limo. This is for to be in luxury, but also safe. Yeah, like we need pul- a recon vehicle. <laughs> You know, no, but it's crazy like Pope Mobile with a giant bulletproof box. Oh, the bubble car. Yeah. Yeah. I no. call it the Pope Mobile <laughs> as the Pope intended. No, but uh yeah, it's a great scene and then Danny Trejo just goes out like a punk when Mexican Justin Long shoots him to death. <laughs> <laughs> See that's and that's the, that's the payoff of Justin Long's arc is that, you know, he fucking fails upwards. It's like, yeah. it's like he he uh, he snaps his ankle, joins the cartel. No, he doesn't snap his ankle. Christos fucking snaps crushes his ankle. No, no, it's not his ankle. He crushes his knee. Like oh Jesus. Yeah, he breaks his leg sideways at the knee in that fight in the beginning. And so for the rest it's like of the that movie, thing where like the pant leg is just not full and you just step on it. So it's it like a like... Mad Max style brace. Yeah, he's got the yeah. whole the whole leg like in a fucking brace and. Uh, yeah, he's he. This fucking chucklehead is who gets the kills on Danny Trejo. Yeah, <laughs> and yet you know, Butch, even though they killed the wrong guy, it's like Bucho is still mad at them for not just killing all the strangers that they see. And like, but he's got the great scene where they're like dragging out Danny Trejo's corpse, and he's talking to the Colombian cartel, yeah, and he's like getting the details. So what does as he look like? <laughs> okay, a tattoo of a woman on his on his chest. He's got a tattoo on his chest. Throwing knives, huh? <laughs> okay, and change for payphones. He just dropped the coins on him. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll look we'll, out for him. We'll let you know if we see him. <laughs> He'll stay out of his way. <laughs> it's so cartoonish. Like, Bucho. Bucho's so great. Then later on, he's got the monologue where they're all standing there. It's like, how hard is it to kill one guy? Well, no, because this is, this is after the bookstore scene. So we oh, get yeah. a, we get a nut. There, see, unlike, so Salma Hayek unlike El Mariachi. sexually cures his knife wounds. Yeah. By reading uh, how to cure surgeon wounds for dummies <laughs> but like uh unlike mariachi we got action sequences like fucking wall to wall man it's and good. so this is the next big one where fucking uh they burn the bookstore down and uh they have to get get away on the rooftop and it's such a great scene where so like it's got a good opening too where like the two guys are like flanking the bedroom again, a little bit, of, like, build a bit up. of context it's yeah. it's build up man but uh, so yeah, Selma Hayek is helping him. She's got a bookstore that is essentially like Useless. much like the guitar, much like the guitar is being used as like you know just facilitation for drug money and shit like it's that. It's a front. It's a it's a front. 
And Bucho goes there, and Antonio Banderas is like hiding out, and it's that long Behind scene where he's trying to cock and load a gun. Yeah, as quietly so, as possible. Oh yeah, that is a really good intense scene where Bucho is in the in the bookstore and, and she, he's, trying... he's clearly fucked Salma Hayek before. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like Salma Hayek's fucked a lot of people. We'll, we'll get into that in the next movie. Yeah, but um, so he deduces and he, that she's goes, there or and he's there. It's kind of an interesting movie because it's the post nut clarity that makes him realize that. See, Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek fuck, and then we cut to Bucho fucking his lady, where he... No, it's it's funny, like, Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek, we got, like, a they super make, passionate they, love-making session. They and then make love. Cut Bucho's to Bucho. just fucking... <laughs> cut to Bucho fucking, like, a girl in, like, a bridal, and, like, she goes to kiss him, and he just exhales a bunch of cigar smoke in, his, in her face, <laughs> but then he's, like... You better, uh... He, he grabs he's at the, the phone. Book, he's at the bookstore. I have post-nut clarity. And they're, like... <laughs> They're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get him out of there? It's like, it's a bookstore. Burn it down. And the guy's like, I need to get me some post-nut clarity. And it's like, not until the job's done. Yeah. It's crazy. I heard that women have the opposite of post-nut clarity where they actually get more, uh, like, frazzled after an orgasm. <laughs> which I think sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, the build-up, though, where it's like you have... Selma Hayek is playing the guitar. She buys Antonio Banderas a guitar... And she's sitting at the foot of the bed with her back to the windows. And she's singing. And this is the only audio we get in this whole scene is her singing. Yeah, they the really uh, yeah, they do drop the audio out really good. And it's the shadows in the uh Antonio Banderas. She's got her eyes closed so she doesn't see Antonio Banderas reacting to the shadows flanking him on either side. And it's, the again, going back to the build-up, so fucking great <laughs> now yeah like it's, it's sergio leone it's really good shit just like the, the intensity and like so it's two guys he's got a gun in each hand until they're finally like meeting in the center where he's pointing the guns at selma hayek it reminds me a lot of the wild bunch too the build yeah. up in the uh in all those scenes too oh yeah it's very very, very sam peckinpah definitely I, I think sam peckinpah is the most visually because he'll cut to like the slow motion you know and like Peckinpah's really like, fingerprints. Ah! Peckinpah's shoe print is all over this movie. And uh, yeah, so like he knocks her down, and they got a the bookstore is being burnt down. So Bucho can later on be like, "I told you it would go up in smoke." Yeah, but no. So, but the reason we went on that whole tirade about this bookstore thing though is because we get the next awesome Bucho freakout where he's got his he's called a a, a, fat, a staff meeting, <laughs> and it's like what. What have we done wrong now? <laughs> it's so very burn after reading. Or <laughs> he's just like, oh, what have we? What what have we learned? Uh, I guess just not to do it again. <laughs> Fucked if I know what we did. Yeah, but then it's it's like, how hard is it to kill one man? It's like it's like you see someone I don't know, and then he like points at his friend Shrug, and he's like, look, look there, I don't know that. Look at Poor that guy. Shrug. I don't know him. Look, he has a gun. Everyone clears him, and he just fucking shoots Shrug. And then, (laughs) as he's walking away, he turns back around. He's like, "Who are those people? I don't know them either." (laughs) I just start shooting wildly. Adult adult onsite Alzheimer's is really fucking with this guy. (laughs) Shrug is such um, a very Star Wars background character with a couple comic books name. it's, It's like this, like oh, it's like. What's the library? It's like, oh, oh, Jose's done. Oh, Jose is over there. It's like, well, tell him to get Tavo. his ass over. The, ta- ta- Tavo. Yeah. <laughs> Tavo's down the road. Tavo's down the road, boss. It's tell like, well, tell him to get his ass over here. He's dead, <laughs> boss. It's like, why wouldn't you just lead with that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
he's over here. Well, tell him to go over here. He's like, no, he's dead. It's like, no, you'd be like, Tavo's dead. It's like, where is he? Over there. Like, <laughs> you got the fucking things backwards. Um, but no, of course, now that he's got the entire incompetent uh, wild bunch after him, he's got to call his own wild bunch in to help him. And uh, so we. Oh, yeah, but it's. All... So not just that, though. So yeah, all of some Hayek had some money for like leaving town. Now but they're definitely going to kill her because she. They know that she was hiding, hiding him. The, the the mariachi. But she was hiding all the money in the book in the books, in the store. Which is dumb. Oh, so imagine yeah. she sell, imagine dumb. she sells a book that's got just a G in it. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh fuck! I didn't mean to sell you that one. <laughs> well, hold on. She might have hidden it in like the, the really shitty books. Yeah, the Christopher like, Pike books or something. <laughs> Maybe she's got a couple cop- copies of Atlas Shrugged. Oh yeah. <laughs> The Ayn Rand section. It's got like spider webs. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna enact your uh, philosophy of selfishness by using your books as a bank. But <laughs> and then you get the one libertarian that comes in. It's like I would like to buy that book, but not with money. Do you take Bitcoin? <laughs> but like you know, but we also get the most telenovela weird reveal of the whole thing, which is like. He's about to kill Bucho with his awesome sniper pistol, but then he sees that Bucho is his brother. What? And some hag's like, why aren't you killing him? And he's like, ah, shit. <laughs> it's really the start of it getting all telenovela, really, because... No, but then we have my favorite line of this whole franchise, where Antonio Banderas is, like, flipping guns, and he's like, it was always easier to shoot than play the guitar. Pull, it was always easier to pull a trigger than play guitar. The, pull the trigger than to play the guitar. Always easier to destroy than to create. It's like, that's fucking that good. Is a, that's, that's a really good line. And that gets to, like, what's the theme of these movies? Is that the world has no place for art? Maybe. Yeah, or at least the world has no place for, like, creating or improving. Yeah, I guess, yeah. It's just like... So yeah, he calls in his, uh, his boys. You got Carlos Gallardo coming back. And mm-hmm. other guy who's got like a rocket launcher. Yeah, yeah. rocket launcher. <laughs> nothing, nothing else too. You should have an extra weapon that's not a rocket launcher. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're they're trying to start a franchise, you know. We gotta we gotta have the mariachi universe. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get a cinematic universe. I'm Guitar the, Hermanos. It's the, the dumbest it's, one is the third one, but we'll the, ori- the original MCU mariachi cinematic universe. Whoa. Uh, well, like apparently they all do tie together somehow, very very loosely. Well, because Machete is the uncle in Spy Kids, right? Yeah, is that the same Machete? Wait, is it the same Machete? He's named Machete in both of them, and it's both Teddy Trejo. I don't but know. I don't, be I, don't think you, I don't think you could realistically connect all of Rodriguez's movies the way you could connect Tarantino. But um, but anywho, these guys show up. They just totally destroy a small section of this town. <laughs> And it's another great. It's not the best action scene in the in the film, I'll say, just because the the weaponized guitar cases are super no, but cheesy. Like the yeah. little the little yellow shirted boy, I think he gets shot by one yeah, of the guitarists, Hermanos, right? Oh, one almost one hundred percent. Yeah, oh, I, think I would imagine. So. I mean, how are you aiming a guitar case? No, you're, you're not firing wildly all over the place. <laughs> not there's not really a sights on. What those was things, the mechanics? There? Yeah, I guess it's just an M16 upside down. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I suppose. He's got, like, a pressure-activated thing on the handles which, to pull like, the trigger. We which, talk about this. The, the guitar cases have no holes until they are Sam about to do a that. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, you know, uh, as badass as these guys are, they're also just as wildly incompetent as uh, Bucho's men and promptly well, one fucking of them, die. One of them <laughs> shoots 
shoot one of them gets shot while he's about to blow off the rocket and then the rocket lands on top of him <laughs> very and then cartoony Carlos just gets shot after he runs out of bullets yeah which but, is um, like whoops i didn't have a plan it's it's a great it's a it's a fun scene though and then we get to yeah, but ending. they don't say they hardly say anything when they greet each other, and he says nothing when they die. Back together again. Well, That's they it. they hardly even help anyway. Yeah, they really and even says like they'll just destroy the town and Butch would still get away. It's like, but you called him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, luckily they went to this very abandoned like cul-de-sac of the town. Yeah, you have the Ed and Eddie guys running around trying to scam people in the background. <laughs> no, yeah, but so this, he kills most of Bucho's guys by then. They they blow up to, the bulletproof limo. Yeah, yeah, we need to we need to rush to the ending now though. So he like he he takes Memo's truck that would have been way better suited for this than the limo, and he goes memo. to Bucho's compound. And does some Hayek like choose to go inside with him? Yeah, yes, which, she, she insists on going inside, which with him. makes no sense. Yeah, well, I mean, because it leads I, to what we have to deal with, which is like, whoa, well, again, we're you're going, my brother. Uh, well, again, we're like trying to remake El Mariachi in a way too, so you got to have Domino there as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's they were separated. Domino went there because she thought it would help. It whatever. Shut up. That's why. Anyway, <laughs> so but, they're uh, there, and Bucho has like a whole scene where he's like, "You thought I was a piece of shit, but look at you. Now you're a piece of shit too." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's 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 a super melodramatic scene. It's good though, man. The guy who plays Booch, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bucho, Mr. Bucho, the actor. Oh, uh, Joaquin de Alameda. <laughs> Joaquin de Alameda is fucking amazing. He's like, oh, now you have, and now you have uh, Selma Hayek's character's <laughs> name. You killed my men. That's okay. What's done is done. What's done but is now. I will kill Carolina. Car- <laughs> yeah, Carolina. She's a tasty number. Believe me. I know. <laughs> it's like, man, all these movies are just like you're dating like the girl that everybody fucked in this town. And that like hate her now. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. she picked. And um, so, yeah, they're about to kill Carolina. So he's got a, if only he still had his guitar case full of guns. Oh, wait, he has them up his sleeves. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then we just fade to white. <laughs> yeah, he shoots his brother and we don't actually see... Him take brother on getting shot else. or yeah obviously he's got to take on everybody else right what about well, yeah, the sexy like, assassin we don't even, we don't even have like squib explosions on bucho we just see him like covered in blood just drop to his knees and fall out of frame and then we cut back to antonio banderas firing into the camera and it just in slow-mo and it just flashes to white we well, didn't we did gloss over in el mariachi how moco dies where he shoots the mariachi in the hand yeah. Like making it so that he can't really play guitar ever again. Blowing his hand to like ribbons. Like and a- he's like, get out of here and take your hand with you. And then he's laughing and he's like holding on his friends like, come on guys, laugh with me. <laughs> and then Mariachi like grabs the gun. That and they all clear out. And he clears and he shoots him. It's like, oh, and then they're like, yeah, fuck this guy. He's an asshole. Which maybe that's what happened in Desperado. Maybe after Big maybe they were was like, killed, they were like, well, he did almost try to kill us. He was a, he was a, a loose, he was a loose cannon cartel boss. Yeah. But, uh, but I love this and movie. Then, and then we're at the end. You know, he's he's repenting for his sins over the little boy in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, little boy. He's like, everyone I've ever killed. Someone's father. Brother. Someone's son. Someone's brother. Someone's grandfather. And he leaves with Salma Hayek. She's like, I want you to thank me right now. And he's like, thank you. Yeah. And it's like, let's go die. <laughs> and that's Desperado. One of the sickest action movies to come from the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, this isn't a movie to be intellectualized, people. No, this is a movie not. to watch, and uh, there's a nice 
super duper sex scene with Selma Hayek and Antonio Banderas, two of the sexiest people in cinematic history. But you can also see how Banderas isn't exactly like the in in shape fit action star type. He's a guitarist, which is exact. Which, is, which just no, goes. That's, that's really nice. That's what I, I was gonna say. That's a really cool thing. Is that how he's not like this buff super dude? Well, that, I that know, just but goes like, compared back... to Carlos Gallardo, though. Well, that's that <laughs> just Sam. That just goes back to what I mentioned at the head of this, where it's like you know this is like very much in line with something like Hard Boiled, where it's like Chow Yun Fat is totally not a picture of no, fitness. No, he's not. He is <laughs> that's out true. Of shape. The dude slamming true. tequila and cigarettes in a jazz bar before going to shoot up a tea house. He's like, a little Chow Yun chubby in that one uh, yeah <laughs> but uh what do you want to rate this thing guys oh i'll give it a nine out of ten i'm gonna go straight ten ten do like it. this is st- in my opinion a top five rodriguez film maybe even top three for me and it is just fantastic front to back i would give it a ten out of ten if it wasn't for the tarantino scene because that tarantino scene just stops the story oh, he's not I, a good actor I, oh i i give it a ten ten because that's included because it's so goofy we never even touched on the goofy fucking music that cues in when tarantino walks into the bar yeah they, and, uh, he, and he's got his stupid fucking joke that he tells at the bar i could piss on this bar i could <laughs> piss on you why what is his accent I don't know. Tarantino's like from Tennessee and Los Angeles. Why does he talk like a black guy from Harlem? He's a smarmy guy. That's his accent. He talks like a gay black dude. But what do you what do you what do you say, Sam? Uh, Eight out of ten. Yeah, solid action film. Very fun. Not not perfectly well written. It's a little melodramatic in points. I mean, the writing in this movie, the writing in the next movie, makes the writing in this movie Oscar worthy. Yeah, for sure. Because at least this one's simple. But it's a very Keep solid simple, action stupid. film, to be sure. All right. But and I think it's time to tell a story about Mexico. After some time with some kids that spy and a little bit of TV and vampires that attack a little bar, we return. And the to faculty. Tell Oh, and the faculty. And we return to tell Once Upon a Time in Mexico. <laughs> Once upon a time in Mexico, there was a guitarist who died and lost his name to another guy who then settled down with a bookstore owner in a guitarist monastery, but then lost his family to a disgruntled general who plans to take over the country of Mexico. So a CIA agent plans to use the guitarist to kill the general and stop the coup, but also there's a mob boss who considers to be somewhat of a leader of Mexico himself. Keep that in the back pocket. But he can't just take over Mexico in brown face, however. Bandage face is much more socially acceptable. And okay, so he has this doctor that does the surgery, and he's being chased by a retired FBI agent who uh, wants to avenge his dead partner put back on the case thanks to the aforementioned CIA agent. And that guy wants both the president, the mob boss, and the general dead so that he can rob the treasury, which is a big table of money in the basement. And he wants to do this until his eyes get gouged out. Uh, So anyway, in the end, um, L becomes king of Mexico. I you think know, that yeah. made way more sense than the actual plot of the movie. <laughs> I mean, and even then, though, there's still other characters that, <laughs> that 
this movie is a fucking like a Robert Altman movie. <laughs> and even then, Robert Altman doesn't care this much about the plot in his movies. No, yeah, Robert Altman would just be kind of vibing. This is like we're constantly having characters get together and be like, okay, so this is the plot. This is <laughs> like Popeye has this whole thing about finding a hidden treasure, but no one gives a shit about that. Yeah, like wait, which one was Popeye? The Robert Altman movie with Robin Williams. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, yeah, I thought you were talking that, about just another fucking character in this movie. No, I can't no, no. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the Popeye film starring Robin Williams, directed by Robert Altman. It's featuring Shelley Duvall as olive oil. <laughs> and and you know, featuring, the, featuring... Probably the best casting in the world. And yeah. featuring the red herring groundskeeper from Pieces as Bluto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Per- <laughs> another example of perfect casting. Also, he's a Raban in the original David Lynch Dune. Uh, okay, cool. I'll take your word for it. Beast he's, he's Raban. The, he's the Dave Batista. He's the Dave Batista character. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Dune, Robert Dune was pretty Dune. sweet. Yeah, Robert Altman's Dune. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> you know, it's like we really got all the characters that the book had, but you didn't do any of the plot stuff. It's like, yeah, no, that plot stuff is more so that the characters know who they are. Yeah. I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> The spice is just the thing to keep the characters together. Yeah. The, spice, the real spice were the characters we made up along the way. <laughs> he would have just, like, over time, Duncan Idaho becomes the main character. But anyways, once upon a time in Mexico... So, I... You know, the way Sam frames it, and really the way the movie almost frames it, is that this is Johnny Depp's story, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's his... And he's not a good dude. No, he's a piece of shit, this whole movie. <laughs> yeah, supposedly... So, Chris, you were telling me after we watched the movie that... So, this was very much a good, the bad, the ugly, but with uh, that ride the rubber... I would do that in quotes. In quotes. And supposedly... It's a lot like the Wild Bunch, really. And supposedly, Robert Rodriguez's idea of the characters themselves were Ella's the good, uh, Johnny Tepp's character, the CIA agent, is the bad... And then Willem Dafoe's character, the mob boss, is the ugly. Yeah, but then there's also seven other characters. Who are they? Yeah, who are (laughs) various degrees. And you know what? Good, the bad, and the ugly, for all the bullshit that's going on in that movie, is a very simple plot. It's two guys on a road trip to find some gold in a grave. Yeah, when you have like seven characters like that, it's time to break out the Dungeons and Dragons style, like lawful good, lawful evil kind of like well, uh, compass. No, and the alignments make no sense because you have Ava Mendez set up as this character who she's dealing with sexism in the CIA. I thought yeah. it was the ATF. No, yeah, he's she's ATF. That's she's right. ATF. Yeah. God, it's all these she's fucking ATF. acronyms. All, all these uh, three-letter organizations that conspiracy so theorists say. She's ATF. She's dealing with sexism. She really wants this case, but she's like ends up second in command on it and it's to get a mob um, a cartel boss who is revealed to be her father yeah her father which uh that's some real co- that's some serious corruption at the atf right there yeah and like and you got you got you got you got marv so yeah <laughs> you got, you got, oh you yeah got you got mickey, mickey as a chihuahua Not using a skim suit as uh that looks like mickey rooney as his body <laughs> let's let's face it. That Chihuahua is actually Mickey Rooney's character. Not I mean Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rooney. Mickey ah. Rourke. You're right. Sorry, my bad. Mickey Rooney uh, died and was reincarnated as a Chihuahua to play Mickey Rourke. 
<laughs> so yeah, he's he's a character who I guess ended up working for the cartels because he's on the run from uh, the U.S. government, and he doesn't want to work with the cartels because the FBI agent catch up catches up with them, and he's like, oh, thank God, an FBI agent is here to arrest me. Which they could have, you know, they you know you talk about like the kind of cruelty in that first scene in El Mariachi. There's not a lot of cruelty on the cartels side of things in these movies. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't get Sicario. <laughs> No, or it doesn't get Sicario or even um, fucking one of my... It's not a good movie, but I really love um, Savages. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Savages. With uh, Taylor Kish and uh, fucking Aaron Taylor Johnson. Doesn't someone get beheaded in that with, like, guitar chords or something? No, I think you might be thinking of The Counselor where they have the portable guillotine. Oh, oh Which shit. is another cartel movie. <laughs> That's amazing. There's a lot of there's a lot of cartel movies that get much more gritty with the cartels no, than like, this movie. Nowadays, we're much more aware of that shit, so I guess we're much more, like, we want to really show the ugliness of it. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like to kind of show that we're not as bad as these fucking... <laughs> these fucking monsters that Although, are just, like, tired. Yeah, Breaking Bad, it starts out with the cartel people, but then by the time you get to American bad guys, like, they're the worst. Yeah, yeah. especially, I think it's like the fourth season. Spoilers for Breaking Bad, but uh, I think it's by the fourth season where it's revealed that a lot of the fast food chain guys are running the the, the cartel, like, drug trafficking yeah, no, after Gus the, dies. Mm-hmm, and so a lot of them kill themselves after Gus. Yeah. But, after, uh, I yeah, Danny Trejo's in Breaking Bad is the guy who gets his head chopped off and put on the turtle. He's the uh, tortoise. Uh, tortuga. And tortuga. He's on a, tor- a, turtle, a, turtle, a turtle, and then it ex- a tortoise, and then it explodes. That's that a great poor, part. Uh-huh. That poor tortoise. He didn't deserve that. I know. But yeah, so Breaking Bad, a uh, good show. Uh, I'd say that ends with a good season. So yeah, so the cartels don't quite land as bad guys in these because they're just dudes in sunglasses. Like, They're just kind of there come, the whole time. As Buscemi says, coming out of the woodwork and dying much deserved deaths. The, That's really the, all they're there for. <laughs> the cartel kind of evolves as these trilogy because we didn't really talk about the in El Mariachi, like the cartel is just kind of made up of like teenage extras. Yeah, there's like they're just a loose conglomeration of dudes. And then when we flash back in uh, Desperado, we see that those teenagers have grown up in the flashback to be <laughs> No, but at least though in Desperado they make it clear, it's like, well there's cocaine going on, you know? Yeah. There's cocaine being exchanged all over the place. There's cocaine and hand stuff happening in the background of Mexico. There's, there's that shot in Desperado where he's wiping his face right before he yells at Salma Hayek. Yeah. And like, I know that he's like wiping his face because he just had a bunch of blood on him, but I also think that he just did all the cocaine that he took from the kid. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why he comes and he's like, Hey, you fucking lied to me! Well, I, mean, he's I just lo- wanted to be a SoundCloud rapper! The, the, man's lo- <laughs> the man's losing blood. He, he needs something to keep him going. Yeah, exactly. There's no orange juice nearby. It'd be great if it was like Crank, you know, where he's just constantly just trying to keep himself going. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Wish there was three movies of that. I know, right? The, the Crank 3... The only thing we could do is if we did Crank 1, 2, and then Spirit of Vengeance. No, that <laughs> ruins our Cage on Fire trilogy. No, I agree. I'm just saying. There's no <laughs> crash. There, there's no, uh, there's, there's crash? Charge? What was Crank. The Crank. Uh, update. I'm on my third shot of the tequila sunrise, guys. So one for each. Go. One for each. One in, for each movie. One for each installment. So, you know. I finally finished this the chocolate movie, egg. <laughs> this movie is all about tequila because uh, he has two other guitar bros. One of whom is played by fucking Enrique Iglesias. Yeah. Yeah. Before he told us he was gay. Who is like, now they're, so now like we, I don't know. So he, yeah, he's in a monastery of guitar makers 
but like when they give him the guitar, it has a shotgun in it the whole movie, and they don't know anything that's going to happen. The guy <laughs> who put the shotgun in there gets killed by Danny Trejo to like make an example. Which, yeah, we have Danny Trejo back as a whole new bad guy yeah. in this one. Mr. Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Mexican do attitude. That's a that's a line. Uh, yeah, are you yeah, a Mexican like, you... or a Mexican? Johnny yeah. Depp's dialogue in this is fucking crazy. Well, this, wait, this no, really that's is not what Johnny Depp says. Yeah, he it? does. Yeah, he no, does. No, he doesn't say. No, Johnny Depp doesn't say. Are you a Mexican? Or yeah, he yes, he does. Does he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. That's his line because um, I don't know. I feel like you. And guys then later are on, taking advantage of my third shot. <laughs> no, it's it's Depp's line because it's, because later on, Danny Trejo's like. You know, and because I'm a Mexican, I can work for her. The, the alignments of this movie make no fucking sense. I'm telling you guys, we, let's, let's break down each character and try and use the D&D alignment chart to try and figure out who sits where. Okay, here, okay. I'm going to pull up I'm gonna pull up a D&D alignment okay, so chart let's on start my phone with something real quick. E- let's start with something easy, right? So, um, the retired FBI agent. Uh, neutral good. Neutral good, right? Absolutely. Okay. Or lawful uh, good, because he's trying to use the law, he's, potentially. So, yeah, I guess he's lawful good. Um, and then someone like, so Giant Depp's chaotic neutral, right? Absolutely. Giant Depp is defined chaotic evil, maybe. Uh, no, uh, not no, chaotic evil. Neutral. Evil. Neutral. Ne- neutral evil. Neutral evil. Neutral evil. Okay, and then um, Banderas is chaotic good. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Mickey Rourke. Uh, what do you call it? True neutral. I would say he True just neutral? wants to get out of it. Yeah. Okay. Like he he's. He he's not above getting his hands dirty for Willem Dafoe's brown faced cartel leader, <laughs> but uh, but uh, at the same like a, time he's he doesn't like doing it. Oh uh, god, it's like it's like a mix of Star Trek Klingons with West Side Story. You just get some white guys to like get in brown face. This movie makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we were uh, watching it and it was like I had all these memories of like fun scenes which are there no I agree the action is really good even though it's like it's shot on HD so, for the first time so it's, which it's, is, it's, uh, it's uh, important uh, to note that uh, at this point in his career you know he's put out three Spy Kids two, movies oh yeah all three of them yeah, yeah. The, the Spy Kids trilogy and has been released as now, well as uh, Dust Till Dawn and now not only is he still underneath uh, Columbia and TriStar to finish this trilogy but he has now aligned himself, Rodriguez has, with the wine scenes and Dimension Films at this point. Because oh, Dimension and, Films makes nothing but quality cinema. Exactly. And, and also, yeah, he started his, his, uh, his, 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 his studio. Troublemaker, yeah. Troublemaker with this one. Which they used to be Los Hooligans. Yeah. <laughs> Los Hooligans. Was, Los Hooligans is so much more fun. That, that's adorable. That's like backyard films. Yeah, that's <laughs> Um... So okay, so we have what Banderas is chaotic good. Uh, Johnny Depp is uh, uh, Johnny Depp was true neutral. Uh, no, no, chaotic, chaotic neutral. neutral. Mickey Rourke was true neutral. Ricky Mar- and then uh, uh, where are we putting Defoe? Defoe is uh, I would say he's uh, true, e- like lawful evil, maybe neutral evil. The doctor, the doctor might be more lawful evil because he's yeah. following a code. And then Defoe is neutral evil. Which would make Marquez the general chaotic evil. Chaotic evil? E- uh, or, uh, yeah, no, chaotic evil. No, yeah, because no. he was going out for his emotions. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, tr- Where's Selma Hayek land on this one, even though she's barely in this movie? Fucking dead. Yeah, <laughs> she lands in the ground. <laughs> True good, like neutral good. 
It's nice that, you know, they went through all that trouble to make her such a complicated character just to fucking fridge her. And not to mention <laughs> the daughter that she's holding who has a big old smile on her face when they get shot. So yeah, hey, so, she's, she's relieved that she's finally been freed prematurely from her flesh now, prison. Which okay. really made so, me think, this like, okay, like, so... Oh. <laughs> you go first, you go first. No, you go. Okay, I was going to say, I so I saw this movie when I was maybe 10 years old or so. Uh, whenever this movie came out, I saw it with my dad in theater. And so... I thought the daughter came back later, and maybe I just thought that was Ava Mendez as the daughter. But no, that doesn't make sense though, because we don't see the daughter's body in the flashbacks. Well, of that's them being why killed. I think that because like he was, they thought he was dead too. So I think maybe they like faked the daughter's death and hit her out Blade Runner twenty forty nine style. So maybe event. So if we ever get a fourth mariachi film, maybe we'll see what happened. No, that would be you could really have that. I wonder if it was like, we just don't want to show a dead little girl, or are we leaving room for doubt? But what's weird about this movie, and he says so openly, is like, I didn't want to make El Mariachi 3. I wanted to make El Mariachi 4 that has flashbacks to El Mariachi 3. And like, so that's why all these scenes with Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas make no fucking sense in the flashbacks. Yeah, like, that, <laughs> like he they, wakes up. Where they're and, handcuffed and they're jumping on the that's bus. That's a great scene, Why though? are they handcuffed? Why is he surprised, but she's cool with it? It makes me... I don't know why, but it makes me think of the Mummy Returns. Like a little, yeah. It feels like a Mummy Returns action sequence. But that, yeah, I can, I can oh, see man. that. The foreplay between Brendan Fraser and <laughs> fucking, what's her name? Evangeline? No. Oh, God, no. Um, uh, something Weiss. Uh, Rachel, Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. that's it. Rachel Weiss and uh, Brendan, Brendan Fraser, Fraser have so much chemistry in those movies. It's great. Can't wait to do them. Yeah, it's too bad. She doesn't show up for the third. Oh, Ooh. Well, you know how it is sometimes. Sometimes you, 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 you marry Darren I mean, Aronofsky. I, get, I mean, I get that Dragon Emperor. No, she's uh, married to... Uh... She was married to Darren Aronofsky, though. Oh, okay. But no, I get that you don't want to do Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. No one wanted to, but no you know what? They knew, they knew that a trio of nerds were going to want to do a trilogy podcast one day, so they obliged us prematurely. Which yep. is really nice of them to think about ahead yeah. of time. At least a, we got Brendan Fraser and all of them. That's on. Uh, that's on. That's on par with how, like, you know, George Bush thought about the internet and how we'd have to. He'd have to save up to like convince internet conspiracy theorists to like cover up. Yeah, guys. <laughs> but uh, what no, is I happening do, in this movie? I I do, I do <laughs> like the. So we got a CIA agent who's trying to uh, use one assassin. What's, what's there to not understand? <laughs> to, you you heard what that crazy puppet said. He wants to use the mariachi man to kill the general, and then the FBI agent does a tiny, tiny dance. But like, so he, so he like brings the mariachi out of hiding, and then he tells the cartels that so that Antonio Banderas has to fight people, and then he's like, well, "I'll kill you last, Danny Trejo," and then he doesn't, and then Danny Trejo shoots him full in the face with a tranquilizer. Gun. <laughs> Yeah, there's not really a commando moment with the Tranny Trejo character. Is no, that like, he gets, doesn't Mickey Rourke kill him? Yeah, Mickey Rourke kills Danny Trejo. With some oh, piano yeah, wire. that's right. He, like, chokes him, doesn't he? He garrots him to death, he garrots yeah. garrots him. Oh, my God. What a... Okay. Which makes... Don't, what the fuck is going on? It's <laughs> so... Yeah, and that's where Antonio Banderas escapes by just squeezing two guys' testicles. Hey, hey but we, we glossed over one of your favorite parts of the movie. There's okay. a goal. so he's okay, chasing so, on so, a motorcycle no, that's well, carrying so, guitars, right? Okay, so so pretty much uh, it's set up though that that Treo's character is a lackey for Johnny Depp, but for because, some reason, yeah, for some reason, but 
because Johnny Depp made the mistake of telling Danny Trejo that he was a Mexican and not a Mexican. Well, he's, he asked him, are you a Mexican yeah, or a no. Mexican? Okay, no, 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 no. Ben Darris said that. No, he no, did not. Ben no, Darris said that line. I can God say, damn it. I don't want to embarrass you on the podcast. No, I don't want to embarrass you either. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> Uh, okay, so but like, anyway, well, anyway, so Treo gets the idea though that he's a Mexican and that he can align himself with whoever he wants to. So he decides to fuck over Johnny Depp and Antonio Banderas and side with the uh, with the with, with, with Willem Dafoe, Dafoe, who is dressed up as um, Clark, Clark Gable in brownface. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, he's a, he's this, a Klingon, uh, probably General Kang. So this is when we get one of the big action set pieces oh, yeah, in the movie like, that's not stupid. Where they're like, oh yeah, and if you do anything fucked up, we're going to go kill all the guitar monks. And he's yeah, like, yeah. then I suppose I have no choice Which, uh, but by to the, kill you all. By the way, those guitar monks, there's a couple of people that are later show up in Breaking Bad. Like, there's the one old man that confronts uh, Danny Trejo that's, uh, that plays uh, Nacho's father. If you watch uh, Better Call Saul Season 1, set up for Better Call Season 5 coming up, by the way. But, uh, and this action scene is actually really well done. I mean, it's not as balls to the wall shootouty as Desperado was. Because, see, see, here's one of my biggest. Are you a Mexican or a Mexican? Okay, look at the picture, though. That's Johnny Depp! That's not Johnny Depp. Let me look at that. Mexican or a Mexican? Dang, we just flexed all over Sam on this podcast. No, 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 that's. He's watching it and denying listen it in real me, time. Listen to me, you oh, wait, fucking no, that drunk. Is, no, that is, oh, never mind. That is that is Johnny Depp. Okay, never you can mind. hear it. You can hear it in his voice. It's me, Johnny Depp. Okay. I'm from Miramar. By the way, how uh, isn't it normal <laughs> watching some really Johnny Depp acting? I mean, like especially look, Depp, like comical action film style. Johnny Depp's had a rough time of things. Yep, and I'm on his side for the most part. One hundred percent. He had an abusive wife, which is you know we we gotta get rid of the double standard. Mm-hmm. Amber Heard's a fucking cunt. I go, I go, oh, stupid I, Atlantean. I stream live on Instagram for for my radio show every single week, and which when I give you my Instagram handle at the end, if you want to jump in on that, you can. Get in and on we it. Make it, and we make it a point every single week to make fun of that bitch every Good. single time. And it's always great. Good work. <laughs> Hashtag free Johnny. But any, anywho, though, so this... The, as cool not as, bad in this. No, as, he's not bad. He's just crazy. As, as cool now that as... I've been proven wrong, I will drink more. <laughs> as cool as this shootout, though, with Trejo's men is... It, just like every other action scene in this movie, just goes back to one of my biggest issues with this movie, and that's that Rodriguez relies way more on CG and effects and stuff rather than just clever shooting and staging like he did in Desperado. Like, you watch the scene. No, like, the scenes in Desperado are... It's 2022 right now. This film is almost 30 years old and holds up... The action scenes, at least, hold up so much better than the almost 20-year-old Once Upon a Time in Mexico, just in the way they look. Not yeah. even the way they're staged. Like. Well, not just that, but we also discussed earlier how, uh, you know, uh, Robert Rodriguez stopped using an, a regular other DP for shooting his shots. Well, he, he, so he, he, filmed he, he started, started shooting it himself. Yeah. He started DPing it himself, which, when it comes to his... Uh, if it, if we're talking about an independent film, that makes sure, sense. Go for it. You don't have enough money to cover and pay for another crewman. 
But when you're doing a studio film and you're doing this giant epic story that you need characters to remind you what the plot is every other moment, maybe maybe do a DP. Maybe get a know, DP. But that being said, you know who DPs all of his own films is Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. And well, those are all pretty fucking good. Well, dude, come on. You can't just I you, know, I know. I'm just saying that there's you're like You're making the George you're making the the Orson Welles excuse again. No, no. I'm just saying that there is an exception to every rule. But um, I suppose, but a, lot, a big issue with this one is that you know El Mariachi is filmed on 16 millimeter, Desperado's 35 millimeter. This one shot on the fucking Attack of the Clones HD camera, <laughs> which uh, literally the same camera. You and gotta like, compare it to Attack of the Clones though. That's where he got it. This is all fucking Skywalker Ranch shit that he was getting. Uh-huh. He was he was buddies with George Lucas at this time, but like, yeah, so. You don't get the slow motion, and the way it looks just has like a cheap, almost like now it almost looks like cell phone video. Some yeah. of the shots. No, the the best, the best is so one. Of, so Johnny Depp plays a sl- a perfect sleazy piece of shit uh, CIA guy. Very seventies so, character. Every in, conspiracy theorist's dream of what a CIA agent is. And so one in his first initial meeting with uh, with Banderas. He explains how every restaurant or dive that he goes into in Mexico, he orders this one specific dish with a specific drink. And how, in this particular instance, it's apparently the best he's ever had. Banderas disagrees by spitting it out, but to each their own. So uh, he he says it's so good, in fact, that he's going to go back after the meeting is over and kill the cook. And so Why when again? that come when that time comes, though... Kreider pointed out, and we had to back it up too to rewatch it. It literally looks like it was shot on a cell phone. I wonder. So, is that the metaphor for the whole movie? Is like the president too good, and that's why we have to kill him? No, I maybe I don't think so because it's not like it's not like we talked that much about how the quality of the president is. It's just he's well, apparently no, a good well, dude, though. No, so he's a good person, so this is, but he's not a good leader. So supposedly? this is this is what I gather from the plot. So. The president is firmly anti-cartel, anti-authoritarianism, like why he's against Marquez and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he's he's genuinely for the people. Depp's character, the CIA guy, is aware of a coup that is being staged against this good guy president by piece of shit General Marquez. Mm-hmm. So he wants Banderas to... Let the coup happen. Yeah. Let let Marquez kill good guy president. Supposedly. But then kill Marquez before he can assume Cause, power. Because Marquez is Salma Hayek's ex-boyfriend who killed her and the daughter. But, so it's like Depp, Depp wants a more compliant piece of shit in power in the, uh, in the, in the presidency, which is evidenced by his meeting with the president's lackey uh, uh, at the bullfight or so whatever. So is that guy going to be the... Baldero. Is that guy going to be that, the... Um, I don't know if that guy's going to be the next oh, maybe, guy in line. Maybe he might be. No, it's maybe not that really is why he was talking to him because there was like... Then, maybe that's that guy's motivation. Because there was he's that like whole vice president or something where he's talking about, oh, you need to set it up a you little need to bit rig the to game. Like rig the game yeah. so that you can have it, so you can make it interesting. Which that was fun to watch. It's a goofy <laughs> scene though. It's like, I love the way the Matador just screams just gets like, gored. Ah! He gets gored on that fucking horn. I know, and then it's a big old dummy. 
Yeah, good, but like, um, not a very good dummy at all. It just like stands straight up. So no, the but, CIA guy wants to stop the general from taking power and kill the president, and then also have the uh, mariachi to stop him. But he also wants to have the FBI agent stop the crime boss to stop him from taking power. So, so they can just install their own be the piece of vice shit. president guy. Yeah. So why be did the he guy. involve Ava Mendez anyways? The Ava Mendez character was going to be. Uh, Help take down the cartel guy, right? The cartel guy, and then also get in on the treasury money as incentive to stop the cartel person because he's sweet on Ava Mendez. But Mm. they didn't know that the the Ava Mendez was related to the cartel person, uh, who is of course, uh, you know, um, the Green Goblin, uh, and the Green Goblin wanted to get Spider-Man to stop him. But he was gonna. So, and why was he getting a new face? Was he going to be the president? Yeah, he was going to get a new face to so that he could live a new life as the president. Maybe he's going to get the president. Maybe they want to get the president to steal his face so that he could become the president with then his face. Then why did they need a guy that had the same bone structure as Willem Dafoe? Because they wanted to have a dummy there who looked like he died in But the they didn't know that that was just going to... Maybe they did. Maybe that was the... If, uh, Maybe the Friday, idea... You're trying to make sense of details that don't make sense. And it's right, Briggs, gonna, if Briggs gonna... don't, don't give up on the, the writer. Like, give, give Robert Rodriguez some, a chance. So, the Green Goblin wanted to <laughs> steal the president's face. <laughs> which I think is the plot of National Treasure 3 because he wants There's to... There's a third one? There, there'll be a third National Treasure movie where in which real Nick, Nicolas Cage wants to steal the president's face because there's a map on the back of it. <laughs> and... So, <laughs> so... So the Green Goblin wants to be the president. Okay. I just, you so know. he finds a guy... To, that looks like him with the same face structure to die in the hospital. So it looks like, oh, the Green Goblin if died. If he knew in this that hospital. the guy was going to die in the hospital, why did he cut his own face off? So that he could have a space to take the president's face, <laughs> who will be dead by the general, and he would kill the general so Sam. that he could take the president's face. Wait, why Sam. would you stage a coup if you were going to just steal the president's face? So that it would look like, oh, the president's fine. Look, I'm El Presidente. Hey, Sam, okay. Sam, every word you just said makes me hate this movie so much more. Look, I'm trying to think, so, okay? <laughs> I'm, look, I'm putting... Okay. I've had three tequila sunrises, and you haven't, like, worked... It's not a sunrise this. if you don't put grenadine in there, don't... Uh, I'm sorry, did you watch me make this? You didn't put grenadine in there. I have grenadine back there. You put grenadine in there. I have grenadine back there. You put orange soda in it before. I put orange soda and then grenadine. That's not a tequila sauce. No, okay. I put the tequila, (laughs) then the orange soda, then the grenadine. Wait, no. I put That's not a tequila sunrise. Then the ice cubes, then the grenadine, then the orange soda. It's orange juice, and then the grenadine is the floater on top. Fanta, technically. No, no, no. Fanta TM, by the way. (laughs) That chocolate egg tasted really good. I'm glad you liked it. Did <laughs> I tell you that I was going to get you a chocolate egg unicorn, which was going to have tart unicorn heads in it? Oh, that would have been cool. But I like the Triceratops egg. Oh, okay. I'll keep that in mind next time. Anywho, though. I've got one left in the back. 
one one so, cool one cool addition to the cast is our washed up retired FBI guy is Reuben Blades from Predator Two. He's great. He's, oh, yeah, wait. he's my favorite character. Is the retired FBI? Where would, okay, so back already to the, was in Predator Two. Back okay. to the D and D chart. Where would you put him? Oh, I put. No, he was. Well, I already mentioned. He was, oh, you he, did? Yeah, he was. Uh, See, that's just that's just it. You can't keep up with these fucking characters because there's so many of them. He's true neutral or lawful neutral because he's still trying to follow the law of the FBI. I'd say lawful neutral maybe because yeah, it's like he knows for revenge because his he, partner was killed by he's, Defoe. he's out yeah. for revenge but he knows he's technically not supposed to be doing what he's doing because he's retired but yeah. he knows it's for the greater good so yeah i would say lawful neutral because he's not a hundred percent good because he's bending the rules doing what he's doing but no, he's no, no, it's no, for no, a good no, cause no, 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 no. he's good it's just a questionable if he's following the law yeah she's not because which got is a the difference between badge. lawful and uh, neutral true, yeah. evil a lawful, lawful, lawful means that you have a code that you're following. That's what it means in D and D. If you're lawful evil, that means you have a code and you will follow the code. Like that's the difference between lawful and neutral and chaotic good. Yeah. Yes. I'm a DM, guys. No, and, um, and Hispanic. The important thing is that at one point he's in a car chase where he's on a motorcycle that's yeah, so, carrying okay, a bunch so, of guitars. Yeah, yeah right. so going back to the Trejo shootout that I brought up ages ago before everything transpired, but uh. One yeah, of the funniest so shootouts. It's it's one of the few noteworthy big action set pieces that's actually really cool. And it ends in a pseudo car chase in a way where he hops on this motorcycle that's towing a, a fucking cart full of guitars. And, and he lets uh, that go so that the guys behind him get nabbed. Yeah. yeah. So then he he's coming up to the back of an old fifties car, whatever, with yeah, the like top a pink down. Cadillac. Oh man, we yeah. need to pause and replay that because he like he like bumps. It's, he like it's an insane like digital effect. And then, he, like, well, jumps he hops. Into it. Yeah, he hops up to where his feet are on the motorcycle seat. And then, yeah, he just fender benders the car and hops into the driver's seat. And it's a pretty cool move. And it's he just cool takes move. off. And it's a nice car, by the way. It's a nice car. And, yeah. And, but then after a car chase in that, that really nice car, he gets shot in the face with a tranquilizer. Gun. I know. Not, it's just, like, not just in the face, but dead center, the middle of the forehead. Yeah, he like, knows. I don't know how tranquilizer darts work, but don't they need to get into your bloodstream? Not your brain. Yeah, not your fucking brain. <laughs> so if it goes to your brain, if you pierced your brain at all, aren't you just like fucking brain dead now? Yeah, you're lobotomized. Although there are blood vessels uh, in your brain. Uh, Maybe it hit the blood vessel in his brain? So it went through his skull? It went. That is the most strongest tranquilizer possible. dart ever. Well, I mean, at the same time, it was point blank range with that thing. So Still, I mean, it's a flimsy little pe- needle. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe I need more tequila to figure out this movie. There's a lot of shit going on in this movie. It does feel like three or four movies crammed together. Like, because we had the flashback where he pulls out a guitar for the first time and it's uh, like an electric guitar, but then it's a shotgun. Ba bang, ba bang, ba bang. Yeah, he has that really epic shootout in the in the, the the church. The weird place with the moving with the moving bar. No, no, no. That's a flashback. I'm talking about the church. Oh that no, he... that's oh, so that's the one where like. You reveal that the monastery guitar people must have known that he was about to be kidnapped because they hide a shotgun inside of the guitar. Which is really nice of them. And also you see that apparently the church is very easily easy to scale. Yeah, because he climbs like, up and, he's like Spider-Manning all he over that up place. Like Spider-Man, but then you see the cartel guy also Spider-Manning up it. So it's something about that column that's just really easy to climb. St. <laughs> Peter Parkar. Yeah. So yeah, and then we get into Mexican nationalism, which has not been a theme so far. Yeah, if yeah. anything, it's been talking about how shitty Mexico is in yeah, these but now last he's like, two movies. We are sons of Mexico. 
for Mexico. Yeah, and he, he's got... Mexico, it's a place full of cartel people and corrupt policemen. But God damn it, we love it. It's he, ours. He meets up with his brand new guitar gang. Yeah, like I said, one of whom is... One of whom is an alcoholic, and one of whom is Enrique and fucking Iglesias. Yeah, which is so... Ah, uh, man, I miss the Guitar Brothers. The guitar, yeah, really, Guitaros among It us. makes you miss the old guys, but like... Yeah, their, their arc is that one of them is just drinking all the time. Yeah. He doesn't have an arc... He yeah, has, he doesn't. He really yeah, doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't get over his alcoholism. No, he's, he's just, just he like, just helps. okay, I won't be drunk for this fight. But he has the stupidest guitar power of all, which is that he his guitar turns into a remote control explosive. Which <laughs> <laughs> is adorable. But which takes out, like, what, a whole tank or something? Like, one a, tank. It takes out a jeep of troops, maybe. Oh, a jeep? I thought it took out a tank, no, which would have been way stupid. No, it has a tank, I think. No, there is a, there is a tank in there, but it doesn't really get used much at all. <laughs> or is it an APC, maybe? So visually, something that was cool but very confusing is that the military is trying to kill the president during a Day of the Dead festival, so the people, the people rise up against the military? Rise up against the military, which is like, there's a rise up, and then there's a counter rise up. Yeah, it's very good. Because there's and like, then, this is also, like, it's almost like machete when it's like, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. It's like, man, your, then, your pro-Mexican <laughs> shit is really weird, Rodriguez. And then there's also, at the same time, there are army soldiers fighting army soldiers, but the good army soldiers are have like brown streaks in their uniforms against like the bad army people. You see, that's why it was so fucking confusing, is I don't know who anybody was. Yeah, I was confused too, because I was like, are the people and then they like It's favor? like we're watching they cut the Johnny Depp's, They cut Johnny Depp's eyeballs out, and then they just let him go, and someone else is trying to kill him? Why didn't they just kill him while they were cutting his eyeballs out? Yeah, and why did they cut... Was there a reason to cut Johnny Depp's yeah, eyeballs? He, was he, it to steal his eyes for like some kind of security no, protocol? No, that, no. It's because so, like, you have only impossible? seen you have seen too much. Yeah, they weren't going to kill You've him. They didn't much. want or De, Defoe told him to his face. You know, we're not going to kill you, but you've seen too much, and we need to make sure that never happens again. So, but they then like someone else is going to kill him. Yeah. yeah, someone else is going to kill him. But then he walks out while his eyeballs have been cut out, and he's like, "I am living La Vida Loca." And, and then we and, have another kid in the yellow. Sure. Yes. It's like Sam. selling chiclets. Chiclets. What are chiclets again? They're like gum. gum. Okay. Gum. They're just like the little hard, hard plastic gum. You oh know? God, that's they so look sucks. like little teeth. Yeah. Oh, oh say chiclets suck. They suck so hard. They're terrible. Chiclets are the worst, worst candy ever. Most uh, gum how can sucks. You, how can you say that when Peeps exist? I'll hey, I love Peeps. Go I, fuck yourself. Peeps I, are terrible. Uh, Give me all your Peeps. You know what? <laughs> I bought a case. Of coffee-flavored Peeps. Oh, God. Why would you do that? Because they're delicious, bitch. Guys, for those of, for those of you not keeping track, you know, we, we record these ahead of time. And at the time of this recording, tomorrow is Easter Sunday. We record these ahead of time. So it's not live. Yes. <laughs> yes, but no, sorry, tomorrow, sorry. You're not <laughs> actually see this. Everybody, I think this live right to, now. Tomorrow, an excuse. To, uh, on the day of this recording, though, tomorrow is Easter Sunday. So there's a wealth of peeps all around, and I would just love to melt every one of them. And I will uh, and melt them into one giant peep, and then I'll eat that. No. Ooh, yeah, yeah. One giant coffee peep. Yeah. Have you ever seen what happens when you put them in the microwave and they just fill the whole microwave? No. Yeah, like you don't pretty... remember in South Park where he blows up his house by doing that? No. In the it's... Da Vinci Code episode? Yeah, no, pretty... I don't remember that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's like oh a conspiracy God. about why the ra- why 
Why have... the rabbit is a symbol so of like, Easter? Well, no, but I he's remember like gonna, that. So he's going to blow up his the... own house, so he just fills the microwave with peeps, and then I, it well, like, remember, blows up the house. I remember the, the rabbit thing, for the, the rabbit storyline from that, but I don't remember the peeps. No, that's, thing. The way that he gets, that's how he gets away from the ninjas in the first fight. Yeah, he just <laughs> blows up his own house with peeps in there. The, ner- the, ne- the ninjas fighting for, uh, what was it, Peter... Not, not Peter, uh... It's a Peter Cottontail. No, not Peter Cottontail. I'm talking about the bad guy. He's played by an American evangelicist. Hmm. Oh well. But any, anyways, though, yeah, this whole movie gets way too confusing. The and, you know, so they set up Marquez as like kind of like the arch enemy of El Mariachi because mm-hmm. he's the one that killed Salma Hayek and supposedly his daughter as well, even though we don't see it. Yeah. And so, you know, you expect something to be, this to be like a really climactic showdown between them and it's not. Yeah, he just like, <laughs> he just how's shoots your wife? Him. She's dead. Your how's your daughter? She's dead. How about me? No, no, You're no. How, how, are you? Just... how are you? Dead. dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. What about you... me? Alive and well. There's a lot of uh, confrontations in the president's <laughs> office without the president. Yeah. Yeah, no, and then, like, at um, fucking Willem Dafoe gets shot there because Antonio Banderas is, like, chilling in the curtains for a while. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, we just have to agent, chill here until we wrap up the storyline. The FBI agent is there to avenge and fight there, but also Mickey Rourke's character is there. And but he gets also, killed. He gets killed. And but his then, dog survives. Does the FBI agent kill anybody? No, he doesn't, and they. Uh, so he is lawful neutral. The FBI, the FBI guy, ends up adopting the Chihuahua, also, which, yeah. which Sam noticed the dog's tag is named Moco, which is the bad guy in the first one. You get yep. reincarnated as a shitty little dog. Uh, <laughs> in my opinion, I think uh, Moco was always the dog, and the cartel is run by a small Chihuahua. Ooh, it's uh, cats and dogs. You it's guys like, remember that movie? Yeah, I remember it. Nathan Lane. Too bad they're. Nathan Lane? What are you talking about? Yeah, he was Nathan in Cats was and the Dogs. Bad, it was the bad cat. Um, sorry to <laughs> burst your bubble, but that's not Nathan Lane. Who's no. the bad cat in Cats and Dogs? The bad cat is played by... Okay, remember Will and Grace? Yeah. Okay, the really gay character in <laughs> Will and Grace. <laughs> okay. Well. That's, that's who you think Nathan Lane is. All right, well, it was a Nathan Lane type, wasn't he? He was a Nathan Lane... I, I, I'm sure that was probably like how Hitchhiker's Guide, they were like... Well, uh, Sam Rockwell's like, oh, they couldn't get uh, Jim Carrey, so they got me. So that's probably him being a Nathan Lane character. But no, that's not Nathan Lane. They didn't get Nathan Lane for Cats and Dogs. I might be mixing it up they with got... that movie, Mouse Hunt. Oh, yeah, Mouse Hunt. Oh, yeah. my God. That's yeah. one of the weirdest movies ever. <laughs> Guys, I swear that's... to God that like Casper, Mouse Hunt, The Addams Family, they were all filmed in this really weird house in the 90s. <laughs> like They all seem to be in the same weird house. I'm going to say it right now. There's a trilogy. Mouse Hunt is probably Christopher Columbus's best film. Wow, even more Christopher than the Columbus second Harry Potter. That? Christopher Columbus directed Mouse Hunt. Look it up. Even more than the second Harry Potter? More it can't than, be better than Rent. More. <laughs> maybe, you know what? Yeah, Rent is pretty funny. <laughs> the fuck Nathan Lane was in Titan AE? <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, remember the weird like, like rat looking guy? Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Stuart Little. He's the cat in that. He's the cat in Stuart. Okay, that's what very I was thinking. similar then, looking to, yeah, the, the white, to the bad the guy. And, and then, of course, you know, on the topic of Nathan Lane and movies that also came out in 2003, alongside from Once Upon a Time in Mexico, who can forget Nathan Lane's cameo in Gold Member? 
Oh yeah, that was a, that's a pretty good cameo. When he actually. makes out with Austin Powers. Yep. <laughs> Wait, does he make out with Austin? Yeah, yeah he's like she's slapping being, his own ass. She's and... being possessed by Beyonce. No, no, he Beyonce's sexy possessing clear him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's being possessed by Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. This is a weird one. Yep. But yeah. Anyways, uh, have we still made sense of anything that's gone on no. in Once Upon I a Time in Mexico? I think we cleared up Once Upon a Time in Mexico very well. I think we've done the and they all lived job. and they all lived happily ever after in Mexico. <laughs> in Mexico, which yeah. is which is you know it's uh, not bad, but it's better than other places. And you know another so another gripe that I have not just with this movie but with Rodriguez post a certain point in general mm-hmm. is at the very end. You know we got the shot. So the setup at the very end, you have Mariachi, he's on the roof of the monastery that the guitar makers run. The and guitarists. It's, it's uh it's the magic hour shot, you know, the yep. sun's going down, it's beautiful, he's all silhouetted. You would think and, and you know, it's flashing back to memories with Salma Hayek when she's like all like, What do you want most in life? and blah blah blah, freedom. And you would think, you know, this is a very somber moment, you know, for him. You know, he's gotten his closure. He avenged his loved one's deaths. Mm-hmm. He's cutting and transitioning all over the <laughs> fucking place. There's a lot of transitions in this movie. Like, that holy just shit, are, like, my guy, my yeah. brother in Christ, pick a shot, like a good, a wide shot. And just hold on it. Let nope. the moment sink in. Nope. Mariachi style means you cut even during the dialogue scenes to make uh, it feel amped up. Again, this is uh, getting into that whole thing where it's like, it's admirable when you're an independent filmmaker, but really, really bad well, management skills when Desperado you're a studio is, director. Yeah, Desperado is like shot by Guillermo Navarro, who like, he shot a lot of Del Toro's movies. You know, he was like a real fucking DP. He Ooh. did The Devil's Backbone. Ooh, good movie, good movie. Fuck yeah. And you know, another, another thing, gripe I have it with Rodriguez. might have been Water, actually. An- another, another Rodriguez gripe I have, and this one's kind of a, I, I guess in a way, somewhat petty. It just annoys me. Watching in the main titles, shot, chopped, and cut, or Look, something like this is a guy who named his kids Rocket Racer and Rebel Rodriguez. Still, like I don't, those are cool names, but like <laughs> no, they're not. But like no, they're not. You think it's okay? Like thank God they're rich, because like they can't go to a public fucking school with those names. They're good names in comparison to Jorel Cage. <laughs> But like, uh, no, just like Look, reading you're in fucked the anyways. If you're Nicholas Cage's kid, yeah. But just like reading, reading in the the main titles are like uh, shot, chopped, and scored. No, it's like Cage. And I used to uh. do that too. I used to have that exact credit. Or um, I would do what Robert Downey Sr. does, where he would like credit himself as a prince. It's like <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like written by written and directed by Christopher Kreider, a prince. Oh yeah, I remember that. But uh. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Mexico really is one of the movies I have ever seen in my life. It is definitely it was, one of them. There's like certain movies that it's like where you review them and you're like, man, this was so good on the review. Then you rewatch, but like this is one I rewatched and I was like, oh wow, I thought I had understood this movie. I don't. <laughs> there's a scene where Johnny Depp 
for no reason sends Antonio Banderas on a side quest to meet a guy, and it's fucking Johnny Depp in disguise, <laughs> giving in him sp- slightly different information. In the, in the, Johnny Depp, it's, it's in the Spider-Man church. He changes his fucking costume so fast in between like scenes sometimes. Like, because we'll go into one scene with Johnny Depp, and we'll go into another scene with Johnny Depp, and then we'll go into another like and without any a different scenes outfit. in between, and he'll have an outfit completely changed. Oh, we got Cheech Marin back in this one also. We didn't even bring that up. Cheech oh, yeah, Marin's Cheech. an yeah, eyeless. So, like, he, <laughs> like, so he kills Cheech Marin because he's like, you're holding out on me for information. And then he's like, where's the information? It's like, oh, it's in your eye hole. And it's like, what is that? He just had the information written down? What the fuck is it? And then he's like, I'm going to check your asshole anyways. Because <laughs> why not? Isn't there like a weird like noise? When he, when he pulls it out of his eye? Yeah. 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 Uh, Robert Rodriguez, very cartoony. But, uh... Yeah, this is, a. Uh, it's not great. It's not a... Yeah, it's not a great movie. It's not bad. It's definitely that early 2000s Kill Bill maximalism. Yeah. Kill you know? Bill, remnants of 90s. Uh, running Scared was definitely kind of of this oh, era Jesus. of, like... Stylistic. Just, just not, needlessly stylistic. Not quite there with the realism just yet. Yeah, the CGI sticks out a lot. And, and not uh, in a good way. No, not in a good way. Because, like, and in this one, he's using a lot of, like, I don't know. So when Johnny Depp gets his eyes fucking sliced out, he becomes the blind gunman, which is a weird thing. Because it's, like, a whole nother movie. <laughs> yeah, like, he gets daredevil abilities of good hearing when it comes to that. Yeah, which, yeah. like, there should have been more setup for it. I don't know. I like when he grabs yeah, the... Yeah, like, like, maybe he hear Like, maybe he, like... He, he like maybe he shoots somebody by the feet. You remember in Game of Thrones speak? where like she's always training in the dark, and then the chick comes in to kill her, and she like she cuts the candle. Oh yeah, that's I fucking like, dope. I like when but Johnny Depp. Like that. I like when Johnny Depp grabs the wrong guy at gunpoint. <laughs> also, also, it's just so lazy. Like we're just it's it's weird. Like these movies don't improve certain things that are wrong over time, which is that we're just walking around the streets, you know, and just like oh there he is, shit, bam bam bam. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, just write it better. Well, he made it, it more complex, but not more sensible. If anything, it, like more shooting in the streets happens by this one. This, like, it's, this, like it's a, a better movie than Godfather 3, but it makes me angrier. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's the Crystal Skull Temple of Doom dilemma. It's, that's kind of the... Um, are you angrier at something that is forgettable, or are you angrier at something that is memorable? Because this was memorable, but I just didn't remember any of the shit that was, like, it's bad. Me- it's memorable for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But also, like, I feel like we project a lot of Desperado into Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah, I think that's what happened with it's me, like, too. It's we like, we think that this movie's cooler than it is because of Desperado. Yeah. And because he's essentially got the look established by you now. Know, it it mm-hmm. had been some time since the last time I revisited El Mariachi and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I revisited Desperado because it's on Netflix, I think. Uh, I revisited it a couple months ago, and god damn it, it is, it just, I was still blown away. Like, it had been years since I'd last seen this. I was still blown away at how fresh it felt, how much it held up. This is and, one trilogy where you, if this you just doesn't. watch that one, if you just watch that one, you're good. Exactly. Just watch Desperado, guys. You get all the good stuff, none of the bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Nice mid-budget, not a, not a complex script. He's not too big for his britches with the CGI bullshit. Yep. Do we uh we want to go ahead and rate this thing? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Um oh, I will give it a man, it's weird going in. I really thought this trilogy would be more fun. 
What it are you going to give it? It was fun. It was fun. It just wasn't. Lo- it's, it's, I'll say this much. It's a trilogy you can kill in a day. No, Look, like, I guys... Watching any movie trilogy with you guys is better than any fucking day working. Uh-huh. So you guys, and, th- are, and this is uh, one, and this one is short enough where you could totally kill it in a single day. Yet the yet this one is two fucking hours. It's not. It, it still isn't as bad of an experience in as honor Godfather of Cin- Three. In honor of Cinco de Mayo, I will give this a Cinco out of ten. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go six out of ten. I'm gonna agree with Briggs. Actually, I'm gonna go with six out of ten. So, Maybe five. Tomorrow's Easter, so we're going to be celebrating hold on, hold on. that. We, well, oh. we, we have to rate the whole trilogy. Yeah, we have to talk about the whole trilogy. Oh, right. Yeah. As a whole with the trilogy, I'd say that this definitely documents the weird transition of Robert Rodriguez. It totally does. You know, no, you yeah, start yeah. at you the 16 millimeter, yeah. you move into 35, and then into cheap digital and CG. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which he would of course go on to perfect way, way better two years later with Sin City. Now, and Sin City is kind of the, it's probably peak Latter Day Rodriguez until Alita: Battle Angel. No, I'd say Planet Terror is maybe peak. No, but that's kind of, but that's that's throwbacky. Yeah, that's him embracing his roots as a. That, that John is Carpenter. true. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. never mind. Yeah, okay. Then I, I agree with that. Then yeah, I would say Sin City's probably. Sin the City. I was angry though to find out that Planetary was shot digitally. Oh yeah. really? It was shot digitally? Yeah, I was like, shoot it on film, you asshole. Yeah, Tarantino, <laughs> Tarantino shot it on film and then by hand. They would like wrap it around like hand railings and stuff to give it real scratches. Yeah. This is why I still agree that Tarantino's use of Death Proof is way better than Robert Rodriguez. Death Proof is a grindhouse movie. Yes. Planet Terror feels like a 90s, like one of those direct to video movies like Eliminators or something. Yeah, yeah. If you were talking about a 90s grindhouse type thing, maybe. But as a classic, classic grindhouse, if you're Death going 70s, feels yeah, that Death Proof. Much closer. Because, like, oh, they're just talking. It's like, yeah, dude, that's how exploitation films were. It's expensive yeah. to do stuff. Yeah, that's why you put most of it into dialogue, which scripts for Grindhouses didn't. All the all the, all the the super splattery creature effects you see in Planet Terror, yes, they did exist later on when the exploitation directors of the 70s got picked up by all the big studios in the 80s to do their shit. <laughs> so I know, it's Planet like, Terror is like a B-movie with, like, a... Planet Hollywood Ter- budget. Pla- Planet than- Terror is an er- Planet Terror is an early '80s creature film. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's like it a Carpenter film. A Carpenter film or a Dawn of the Dead. It's yeah. it's the it's bastard Romero-esque. child of it's. Uh, I would say it's what you would have gotten if Romero had scripted and Carpenter directed. Oh yeah, yeah. but we're, unless we forget, there's a per- pure injection of uh, Max uh, Rodriguez style maximalism with the character of El Rey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I was so yeah. racist. I assumed that Freddy Rodriguez was related to him. <laughs> but so yeah, this trilogy it definitely marks his weird descent into like you know grounded filmmaking to big weird very stylized studio filmmaking, which. Has gotten better with time, yes. I would say. Like he's he's shown maturity in his work after Spy Kids stuff. Like I I mean Machete doesn't show that as well. No, not but at all. Like yeah. Alita Battle Angel that shows his ability to work with the studio. Alita Battle Angel is kind of the best of both worlds, and it's a bummer that it didn't do as good as it did. I still got to yeah, see that stuff. one. I've got it on the shelf if you want to borrow it. Uh maybe tomorrow I'll grab it after it's we're done good, watching the movies. It's a good just fucking you know. It's. The best live-action anime film I'll ever. I'll say it on record. 
because there's not a lot of good ones. And this is coming no, from aren't. someone who doesn't like anime. What about? I can't even think of one to like fuck with you. <laughs> Speed Racer. Yeah. Which what I, about Speed Racer? What about feels... Dragon Ball Evolution with Goku sliding across the hood on his head? Hey, that's, that's funny. Got, hey, that's got that's got Inspector Tequila. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't believe. I can't believe. Inspector Tequila played Master Roshi. I know, it's so great. That it's makes no weird. sense. It's like seeing Mark Wahlberg play Sully in the Uncharted movie. Weird. <laughs> but, weird. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's it's not the best trilogy, but it's a fun trilogy no matter what. It so. shows the arc of an artist, if it, anything. It really does. You, you're no, impressed no. by his origins, blown away by the middle hat, the middle point. And you can laugh at the goofy fucking con, uh, convolution of the oh, third no. chapter. Chapter. Oh, and a uh, quick reel, if you want to do some extracurriculars, guys. If you liked our Scream episode, and if you liked this episode, you should watch The Faculty. Because that's uh, the a Robert Rodriguez worlds. horror movie from a script by Kevin Williamson. Which, uh, yeah. that is also, I'm pretty sure, where... Uh, Planet Terror was initially formulated because it was oh. during the shooting of that. Uh, I, I recall in uh, an interview, watching in an interview with Rodriguez around Planet Terror, he was talking with Josh Hartnett about like whatever happened to zombie movies. Why don't we see <laughs> zombie movies anymore? And they were reminiscing about movies like Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead and whatnot. You know, it's funny, though. I think Planet Terror came out right in the year where zombies were making their comeback. Like, wasn't not, that the same year as the, the Walking Dead? Not in... No, Walking no, Dead was no, way no, later. Was so the, oh, comic, okay. the comics were out by then, weren't they? Yeah, the co- comics were definitely out there. And it wasn't even wait, before. It was, even then, that it was, was a, in high school for, this, for that us, That was though. a risk to do the comic. Even... Even before Planet Terror, though, you had the Dawn of the Dead remake. You had 28 Days Later. Right. So 28 they're, they're Weeks coming. Later came out the same year as Planet Terror. So, yeah, it was at the hi- it wasn't at the height of it. It was kind of still at the start of it. You had Land of the Dead in two years prior. Yeah, it didn't, didn't make a big splash. <laughs> so, yeah, zombies were starting to come back. And Planet Terror was definitely one of the movies that helped perpetuate that for sure. No, and but, what yeah. a, that has the Italian-style zombies where they're really gooey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But like, like Kreider said, I can't recommend the faculty enough. I hadn't even seen this movie until... Uh, probably like a couple years ago. I think that was one of our COVID lockdown movies that we uh-huh. got together and watched. Yeah, and we were watching a bunch of slashers and like, it's not a slasher movie, but it's so slasher adjacent. It's, it's more body snatchers adjacent, I would it's say. Very oh, no, body no, but snatchers. I'm saying like, it's adjacent to the 90s slasher oh, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I feel you on it's that. It's not quite Scream slasher. It would be, like we, we were considering doing this with Scream 1 and 2 as a, uh, a Halloween trilogy style trilogy because it's still the same writer as those three films. But we decided to go with Scream trilogy as I were. just think that, though, it is the, the. And I think the there's a bloody disgusting podcast that pointed out that, like, the faculty is kind of like the season of the witch of the Scream franchise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but no, yeah, back to Mariachi, though. Like, as a trilogy, you know, it's not the best. Desperado is 100% the high point, and you could absolutely watch that one on its own mm-hmm. and gain everything you need from this whole and trilogy also in just the have one a happy film. For Selma Hayek and Antonio Banderas. Exactly. You know, but, uh, I kind of compare this a little bit to the Cornetto trilogy in a way. In a it way, shows yeah. shows the arc and career of yeah. a director from indie to studio, but not 
as fluid and also with more of a story arc. I, I can films. completely agree with that sentiment 100% because while just like Mariachi, I'm still not a big fan of the third film in the franchise because mm-hmm. I think it lacks what made the first two as great as they were. Yeah. The I can. F- I still wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment that it the is the same one, arc of the artist. The first one is a is a great like showing of what the person can of what the director can do. It's the indie with darling. Money. Indie darling. Second one, perfection of studio and High style. Point. We you know and we talked about it though. One, a little bit bloated, a little bit confusing, not quite as well written. But still has its moments. Still has its style and still has its moments. There are shootouts in Hot Fuzz that reminded me a lot of Once Upon a Time in Mexico, but better. Yeah. 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 Like, the, like, uh, like the courtyard shootout. No, and we end. talk about that. It's like geographically, I, t- I feel like the Mexico of Once Upon a Time in Mexico is very poorly defined. It's either one block or it's like a huge labyrinth. Yeah. You know, but in the, the Somerset, the Sanford in Hot Fuzz is very geographically distinct. Yeah, oh, yes, very much. And so. One little that. patch in green countryside. Yeah, you know, UK. there's the church over here. There's the flower stand over here. The You know, it's all You're set up to knock down. There's yep. Timothy Dalton's grocery store over You're there. You're going to yeah. the pub. There's the mini village over there. Uh, <laughs> you want to be a big cop in a small town? Why don't you fuck off to the miniature village? <laughs> but uh, it's fun, though. It's the I, only I one enjoyed, setting it up. I enjoyed revisiting this. However, however, I think we need to finally divulge why we added a second episode if it wasn't already obvious. Well, you might notice that this is episode number 12. 12. This completes our fourth set of trilogies yay and before but before we do really quick let's just say what we would rate this entire trilogy oh yes i would give it a seven out of ten yes i would too seven out of ten seven 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 and now number of heaven next one you know ever since this 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 was one of our original ideas when we wrote this down in September of last year, we covered Chainsaw first. In October, obviously, it went to Michael Myers and Halloween. You gotta give my boy some cred. We did Freddy Krueger back in uh, February. We did Scream before that in January. Yeah, we did Scream. So but who's missing from the party, right? Uh, Chucky. It's time to go to summer camp with Corey Feldman. It is finally time to cover some Friday the 13th on the one and only Friday the 13th in the calendar year for 2022. So next week, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, no, we're not, we're going to do it. No, it 100% will happen next week. We are going to be covering my personal favorite arc in slasher films. We're going to be covering the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, which constitutes Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter, which I will go on record right now and say that is my number one favorite slasher film of all time. Can't wait you to defend that one. Oh, yeah. Then we've defend, got, he doesn't have to defend shit. He part, doesn't have to defend shit, but, but it'll be important. Part 5 is where... Yeah, Part 5. We got Friday the part 13th five, Part 5. A new beginning. A new beginning. <laughs> and then arguably the other contender for best film in the franchise, the incredible Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Currently, it right now, East, like we mentioned earlier, Easter Sunday is tomorrow for us while we're recording this, and we're watching the films tomorrow, so it's almost symbolic that on Easter Sunday, we're going to witness the death and resurrection of the sacred J-Man. And it's not just the death and the resurrection, there's, there's death, 
there's you know an imitator and like you will you will you will not worship any other jasons but me yeah there's the mythology of like oh he uh still around or maybe he's dead who knows yeah jason lives is so great because it's just an apology <laughs> yeah it really is it's, like, it's an attempt to go sorry. back to it sorry about that guys we, we won't do that again but uh, I'm uh, very. I, I go so through good. this entire franchise at least once a year, just like with Scream. I go, I run through the whole thing at least once a year. I got the Shout Factory Blu-ray set that I'm, we're totally gonna dust off for this one. And uh, hell yeah, no, I'm very nice excited. The, it's nice when you have a trilogy that has a really solid third entry. Oh, yeah, because one real. way or another, you can go out on a high point. Because you know, another trilogy, if you wanted to just do generally solid Friday the Thirteenth films, another trilogy you could do is the even-numbered ones, 2, 4, and 6. Yeah. So... If you want to just watch good ones. Exactly. But, but uh, I don't know. No, I like four, the five, and Jarvis, six. Yeah. his journey from a cool little kid who loves monster effects to a weird incel adult to a cool adult who doesn't do his hobbies anymore. Yeah. He goes from Corey Feldman to Himbo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to this one, so we'll see you guys in about a week. But... uh if you guys happy Cinco de Mayo, if, happy, yeah, Cinco, happy de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo everybody. to everyone. It's not Mexican Independence Day. It's not any real holiday, but for Americans, I'm sure we're all going to be as drunk as Sam is. It's Dos for, Amer- for, for Americans, tequila drinking day. For, for Americans, it's Mexican. It's Spanish Saint Patrick's Day. It's Drinco de Mayo. To yeah. all my Hispanic people out there, have a happy, wonderful day. But to uh, all we're, my German we're, people out there, keep waiting. Hi guys, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Where can we find each other? Uh, are you? Uh... We're at Team Insomniac Films. Well, we should be releasing some films soon. Yes, uh, <laughs> keep an eye out on Team Insomniac Films, both on Instagram, Facebook, and Team Insomniac FL on Twitter for all of the updates on our next coming films, and as well as the release of this episode and any episodes after. Yeah, I've been shooting and editing a lot. Um... Crider was actually doing some color correction work when we started recording this. So. Yeah. On Keep a film on. that we shot here in Sam's apartment. So We're not going to give too much away about it, but it'll be really good. It's fun. But uh, where can we find each other individually on socials? I'm at Crider the Writer on Instagram. I am uh, Big Boss Tune on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at Briggs underscore Meta Revolution on Instagram. And remember to hit me up for those uh, radio show live streams if you want to make fun of Amber Heard for being a fucking bitch. Fuck you, Amber Heard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll uh, we'll see you guys at camp next week. Next yeah. week. Get ready. Kill, 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 mama. Oh, he's back. <laughs> He's the man behind the mask. <laughs>